It's time for Inside the Gamecocks, the show with Phil Mullinax and J.C. Sherbert. So how many of you would say you speak English fairly well, but with some difficulty? Fat, drunk, and stupid is no way to go through life, son. You play to win the game. Now, let's take it away, J.C. and Phil. Welcome in Inside the Gamecocks, the show. I'm J.C. Sherbert. He is Phil Mullinax. This is a Wednesday episode. Final full episode of the week. So I'm taking my happy behunkas to uh, Kentucky tomorrow morning. Uh, probably uh, like no show tomorrow. And Phil, I haven't talked to you about this yet. Going to probably try to do like a um, a preview for the week preview show with me and Phil uh, that will drop on Friday. Probably a shorter one. Um, and probably going to try to stream it from Lexington, uh, record oh. it from Lexington, at least, you know, and, and uh, I get there tomorrow. So depending on Phil's schedule, we'll probably, uh, knock that out and then, uh, go, uh, go from there, uh, for you guys. And then I'll be back Monday, of course, and we'll rock and roll with, uh, the review of what's shaping up Phil to be a Titanic game for the Gamecocks on Saturday. I, uh, you know, I, 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 I it, it's hard for me to get behind do or die scenarios uh, when you're in game six <laughs> and, it's, and it's a road game against a, a division opponent that's owned you and a top 15 team. Um, but I do think that uh, sometimes things take on a life of their own. Uh, it doesn't, doesn't really matter what I think, <laughs> you know, right. uh, because the fan base I think is, has turned this into the Super Bowl, basically. I likened it to uh, I likened it to Saratoga in the Revolution. This is the, the turning point. I'm not saying it's a must win, but it's definitely an inflection and turning point. <laughs> it, it it could be. It could be very very good. So that's um, you know that that's kind of how I take this game. This game's kind of uh, like I said, taking on the life of its own. Uh, and the Gamecocks are, are 11 point underdogs, 10 and a half point underdogs. Uh, the lines moved a little bit. Uh, Looking at the matchups, Phil, I, I see no reason why the Gamecocks can't go in there and win. Nope. Um, I think history is sort of impacting some of these uh, predictions and stuff. And, uh, you know, recent history and uh, 10-year history uh, with it. Because Stoops has obviously owned South Carolina. Uh, especially when Kentucky's back has kind of been a little bit, bit against the wall. Now, so they lost last week. Tough, hard, far game to Ole Miss. Uh, they have some injuries they're dealing with. Uh, Stoops has said it many times this week that he wishes the bye week was this week, uh, but it's not. You have to go play. Uh, but Kentucky, over the years, uh, under Mark Stoops, uh, there's been uh, kind of a, a rallying uh, of the troops, so to speak, to, to kind of use your analogy, when uh, they play South Carolina. Uh, I remember 2016, Muschamp's first year, that – that Gamecock team going in probably had no business even scoring 10 points, but they did, and they had a punt return called back that cost them the game. I think they made a touchdown called back, too. Uh, lost 17-10. to 10. Going into that game, Kentucky people were saying, because uh, they had had some bad games uh, to open the year, uh, they were talking about getting rid of Stoops. <laughs> uh, and, and then they rallied and won, and I think they ended up in a bowl game that year, and <clears throat> he continued to keep on keeping on, and, after that, they won the 10 games and 10 games and eight games and whatever uh, they've been doing <laughs> since then. So, uh, you know, that, that I, I kind of think about that. I think about last season's game. Uh, big win, obviously, for the Wildcats in Columbia. Gamecocks needed that one. 
you know, it, it's just been one of those things against this team. Uh, but this year's Kentucky team is playing this year's South Carolina team. So that's uh, that's kind of the deal with that. So you got to kind of look at it uh, that way. Uh, Nana Sports chat box obviously is lighting up. I did want to mention uh, our poll question for today. <clears throat> it's up on thebigspur.com, also on Twitter. Uh, over under for Chris Rodriguez rushing yards on Saturday night. So that's uh, 99.5. <laughs> he's uh he's owned the Gamecocks. He's been uh he's what you call a Gamecock killer. Uh always has a good game against South Carolina. I think you probably say something about Kentucky running backs in general through the years. Uh going all the way back to uh freaking uh, Mo Williams back in the day. Uh, uh that ran crazy uh, over the Gamecocks. Raphael Little uh who was a uh, South Carolina native had some good games against the Gamecocks running the ball catching passes. Uh, that kind of thing. So that's, uh, you know, they have not, you know, Kentucky run the ball great this year. However, I, I will say this, it's, it's uh, it, it, with this team, it's always a good bet that they may break out. Right. right. Uh, and so uh, that's kind of the problem, I think, with, uh, with going in there and, and thinking, oh, well, Kentucky's going to, you know, they're, they're last in the SEC in rushing and, and they're, they're not going to be able to run the ball. I, I think Carolina can't slow their run game. I think the matchups, uh, favor the Gamecocks in some ways, uh, but you know you're fighting a little history there. You're fighting a little history, so that's uh, that's kind of how it, it's uh, shaping up with that. Uh, uh, as far as uh, you know, the, the Gamecocks are concerned, so that's uh, that's crazy. You know, it's uh, it should be a great atmosphere uh, in Lexington. You know, on Saturday night, uh, regardless. So we'll see, sort of. Uh, what happens with all of that? Uh, there's some basketball recruiting news that um, could be out here pretty soon. Uh, this afternoon, um, the Gamecocks are waiting on a decision uh, from uh, one of the top players in the state of South Carolina, Phil. Uh, Jordan Butler, uh, a seven foot, 195 pound uh, center from Christ Church in Greenville. You know where that is? Oh yeah, <laughs> over on the Augusta Road end of town. With the that's uh, that's I had a buddy that whose kid went to Christ Church. So that's um he's a four star player, 119th in the country, number one player in the state, uh, down to Missouri and South Carolina. The Missouri connection is through Dennis Gates' top assistant, who was at Florida State and recruited his brother. But uh, last I checked last night. You know, they're kind of waiting for, I guess, 3.30 this afternoon when he's supposed to announce. Uh, and they were cautiously optimistic. 50-50 uh, is what I was told. And, you know, at different points, they thought they were getting him. Uh, and so we'll see. You know, I, I, basketball recruiting feel to me, especially with big-time in-state guys, <laughs> you know, uh, people talk about being in show-me mode when it comes to the football team. I, I think with the basketball program with in-state recruiting, it's uh, – it's definitely show me, you know, it, just yeah. given everything that's happened uh, in that space the last 10 years. Yeah, similar circumstances. You just hope that Lamont Paris can pull, uh, you know, a recruit like that without having a, a proven product on the court. Uh, but hey, things are looking relatively good. Yeah, it's uh, it's one of those things that we'll find out this afternoon. So there's a little hoops for you uh, out there. We're going to be joined by Chris Phillips. It's a high energy Wednesday when he's around and also – uh, Jamie Bradford, our good friend in the second half. Uh, Craiger in the Nana Sports chat box says, Happy Hump Day. Happy Hump Day to you, Craiger. Right. Uh, J Rock Media comes in with a strong prediction 
29-23 Gamecocks to heck with Kentucky, he says. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, Doc Graber at Frank, Frank, Frank. It's hump, hump day. Good morning from the cool, crisp Blue Ridge. Mm. It is, it's a little cool up here. I'm, I'm right at the base of the Blue Ridge here in Taylor. So, uh, yeah, it feels good. Feels yeah, good. Football, no, football weather. Yeah, yeah. it's, it's mm. supposed to be uh, a kickoff. Uh, it's supposed to be around 50-something degrees in Lexington, and it's supposed to get down to the 30s. I told the, I told the better half, I was like, man, you better – you better bundle up because I know she gets uh, she gets cold. You know you don't you don't two two things you don't want her to ever be is cold and hungry. No, no. If she gets <laughs> hangry, oh my god! It's it's like there's no talking right now. Okay, all right, no talking, no problem. <laughs> so anyway, he's got to make sure she's warm and fed, and then we'll be all good. Uh, Ed says live from the Bourbon Trail. I don't know. I'm probably going to do it live from my hotel or at the hotel tomorrow. <laughs> when I get there before I go on the bourbon trail, because I think it would get ugly otherwise, uh, man, I, you know, and I'm not a big bourbon guy, but you know, you go through, you got to kind of do the sampler, right? Oh yeah. If, if yeah. You're yeah. the distillery. So, um, I remember a friend of mine one day we were, gosh, we, gosh was several years back. I was, I was not dating the woman I'm dating now, but we were on kind of a couple's trip to pigeon forge and, uh, I'm one of those guys like, man, I don't know about you, Phil, like when, when the, the, the vacation's over, like the day we're supposed to leave, I don't like to hang out and like piddle and then get late getting home and all that. Yeah. Well, the girl's date at the time. She doesn't feel that way. She, she's like milking it for everything. So finally me and my buddy were like, well, let's go to this moonshine tasting thing. Mm. And they're like, they, they showed us the little cups. Right. And it's like, well, well hell we'll have all of them. You know, we'll, have, we'll taste everything you got. <laughs> 17 little tiny cups of moonshine later, I'm stumbling around like Otis from Andy Griffith. <laughs> you know, uh, I borrowed that from Rodney Carrington, by the way. Riding uh, a cow and, into town, huh? Yeah, and uh, we're like, rrr, rrr, you know, and I'm, I'm sitting there, and we had to, had to go eat, you know, so we, we got a, like a cheeseburger from Cheeseburger in Paradise, something like that, one of those Jimmy Buffett places, Landshark Cafe, I think is what it was. And I'm sitting there eating my burger with a fork, and I look down, and I, I'm thinking there's like mashed potatoes in my burger and stuff. I mean, it was wild. And that's not bourbon. That's that's a moonshine, yeah, right. sort of yeah. le- less potent in a lot of ways. And so I'm a little nervous about it. I just got to remember to have a snack, and uh, as our good buddy Mike Huva says, uh, mix it of water every now and then. Water, yeah, you mix it of water uh, for that one. But no, I won't be doing the show from the Bourbon Trail. Um, I will have some stuff up on the inside the Gamecocks Instagram account, you know, to kind of document mm-hmm. the trip and all that good stuff. And we also put those on our Facebook page to so go like those pages uh, and all that. Doc Graybeard says, every game stands alone. We can best them. That's true. Israel says, more confident in beating Kentucky or Texas A&M. <laughs> I never thought we'd be having this conversation um, about these two teams. I think a lot of people just ch- talked about his losses at the beginning of the year. I I kind of feel the same about both Israel because I, I, I don't know exactly what to expect, you know, on, on Saturday night. I mean, th- there's that whole question, you know, they didn't re- didn't play two good teams. They did seem to be more functional mm-hmm. uh, offensively and defensively. They did some good things attacking and stuff. So, uh, you know, uh, I guess we can, uh, you know, it, 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 we'll find out. I mean, you know, it, it's just very difficult because, like, like I said, if I were uh, when I'm breaking down Kentucky, I, I just continue to be like, well, this is this is the different type of Kentucky team. Uh, but I said the same thing about Georgia. I was right. Georgia doesn't sit there and just pound the ball, but they pounded the Gamecocks into oblivion. So that's you know that that's the thing there. He says, you know, I I know that 
Kentucky's offensive line is nowhere close to Georgia's or Arkansas's. Uh, I think Levis is a good player. I think the perimeter players are elite. And unfortunately for the rest of the SEC, Key and Brown are young. <laughs> uh, and, you know, they've got a – they've got a uh, – you know, they, they've got a good scheme of things. They always play the Gamecocks tough. They are injured. They've got really good linebackers. Uh, I think their secondary is very opportunistic, a lot like the Gamecocks. Uh, they turn the ball over like the Gamecocks. So, you know, I, I don't know. A&M is more to me right now like dysfunctional. <laughs> yeah, it really is. That team's an enigma. I mean, you just – you have no idea. <laughs> I mean, yeah, they're, they're running back. Arcane is averaging like 10 yards a carry, but it mm-hmm. only gets like 18 carries. So, I, I don't – you know, I'm looking at it going, man, that, that offense is just tough. And, you know, they turned it over four times against Mississippi State, and then their defense gets leaky. So, you know, who, who knows what will happen at home in two weeks. But the Gamecocks need this one. I mean, this A&M is a team that Carolina's never beaten. There is a trophy for that game. They get the Bohannon trophy or something like that. Um, I, I, I apologize to those of you that know exactly what it is because I I had it written down. It's some kind of uh, – South Carolina and the died at the Alamo, I guess, is, is what it's, what it's named after. But, oh, okay. you know, they, they've never beaten A&M. I don't think many Gamecocks, like, heading into this year with A&M being fourth in the country, said, well, yeah, they're going to get A&M. I, I think if you're going to get them, it's this year, you know, because I think their talent will continue to mature, and and hopefully for their sake, uh, for Jimbo's sake, for the $75 million man's sake, uh, and we'll see. But uh, that, that's an interesting question. I, I, I kind of feel the same about both just because – uh, I think there's a bit of mystery to this game Saturday night, you know, as to, as to how the Gamecocks will go out and perform uh, and all that. Lady Bree says, morning, morning, lady. Uh, Joel says, it's not history this year. It's Kentucky's D.C. versus Carolina's O.C. That's a big matchup. Yeah. Same same on the other side, too, I think, uh, defense versus offense. Alex says, good morning, Sherb Nation, over the middle Mullinax, and everyone but Mark Stoops. <laughs> <laughs> Main Justice says, who is ready for the influx of new offensive coordinator post on TBS this weekend? Let them go out there and stall, and, and it'll be Katie bar the door on the damn message boards. <laughs> yeah, first three and out is going to be ugly. Oh, my goodness. Um, there probably won't be Wi-Fi at the stadium, so I'm just going to, like, ignore the Internet while I'm watching this the game. This is definitely one I've got keyed up as no social during the game. <laughs> yeah. No, this is crazy. Uh, Craiger says, we got to stop acting like they are Georgia. We had two more days to prepare. They're beat up. We're healthy, and their quarterback – put his finger on backward. That's true. They are beatable. That's true. I mean, you're throwing though, right? Yeah. I don't think so. I, you know, it's a, or maybe it was somebody tell me. Um, it's so that's wicked to see that though. I mean, when the dislocated fingers like, Oh wow. Well, yeah, dude. It's like, <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's like, like, like torture, you know, it's like, <laughs> like, like, like uh, spies like us. I cut off your finger. Yeah. <laughs> Remember that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so spies like us that was a heck of a movie a very underrated in the grand scheme of things um dr chandler says uh he was 19 and 30 in his first four years give me gives me a ton of hope yeah but you got to keep in mind too doc uh he took over the worst roster in the sec mm-hmm. uh and that was going to always take some time i i don't you know, I, I do think there's something to be said for giving a coach time to build. Now, uh, I think that's – these days, though, you don't have more than four or five years. And unfortunately, what happens sometimes 
Uh, and this is before the transfer portal. So the, the portal, you know, and, and we, we talked to Trey Biddy about this with Arkansas, right? And, and he was hammering this point home. Um, the portals kind of allowed you to not have to go through like a down bad year, right? Uh, when you're building, because you don't have to really wait for a recruiting class to, to totally mature because you're bringing in portal guys to kind of uh, fill gaps. And that's Arkansas and South Carolina both did that this year, and I think they'll continue to do it. Uh, but before the portal, what would happen is a uh, new coach would come in, old coach had some recruits left over that were pretty good players. Uh, they mix and match, you know, with their recruits, maybe some JUCO transfers that work out. Whatever. So they have pretty good seasons and surpassed expectations years one and two. And then year three and four, under the previous style of recruiting, you're still young. You're inexperienced. Your first class probably is full of some reaches, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, I think the best first class uh, anybody signed here was Muschamp. You know, Spurrier's was ranked higher, but Muschamp's had more future NFL players. I mean, you had Brunson, you had Brian Edwards, you had DJ Wanham in that class. Nobody's left from that class this year. <laughs> the second class it was. And so, uh, but, you know, like Spurrier's first class had a lot of guys. Like your Jonathan Hanna's of the world that didn't work out. Um, you know, and, and so you look and, you know, with, with Spurrier and Muschamp both, those third and fourth seasons were down. You know, I, I thought Spurrier, his worst team was not, not 07 when they lost out and whatever happened at North Carolina happened that year. I thought his worst team was 08 because that team right. at the end – uh, you know, got blown out by Clemson, and that that, that started all kinds of things up there. <laughs> yeah, they got Dabo the job. Uh, they weren't competitive at Florida, and they weren't competitive against Iowa in the bowl. Next thing you know, though, you know, Spurrier revamps his staff, and uh, 09 had the big win over Ole Miss, and, and, and they played Florida tough, and they beat Clemson. Uh, and then the next year, Marcus comes in, and then the program takes off. So, a lot of times in that, that third and fourth year, you know, things go down. With Kentucky, to your point, uh, they kind of uh, – they maybe have plateaued a little bit, but he got them up to that six-win mark, and they, they just kept plugging away. Um, and he – Mark Stoops, one thing he is really good at, their staff is outstanding uh, at finding players and evaluating players. Uh, Shane Beamer talked about uh, Virginia Tech and Kansas State as it kind of relates to Kentucky – uh, with Bill Snyder and then Shane's dad at Virginia Tech. And it's kind of the same formula. You know, go find players, get get in your lane in recruiting. Uh, you know, now Kentucky's signing more. I mean, uh, Brown is a four-star player from Nashville, Tennessee, you know, that they beat Tennessee on. Okay, so that's big. Uh, they have a five-star freshman offensive tackle they got out of the state of Indiana. They beat – Eric Wolford beat everybody in the country for him. Um, and so he almost flipped, but he ended up going to Kentucky. So, so they, they're getting some more pieces that are more known. But, you know, uh, that big defensive end they had a couple – or pass rusher a couple of years back that ended up uh, getting drafted pretty high. He was a New Jersey kid that was committed to Monmouth University. <laughs> the Hawks. That's a basketball school. Football juggernaut Monmouth. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> you think we can flip him from Monmouth? Sure. Yeah. And he ended up being an all American. So, and, and they do well, they do well in the portal and, and all that. So uh, that's kind of the point there. I, you know, so in, uh, in today's era with the transfer portal and everything, can you survive a 19 and 30 record first four years? 
Oh, I don't know. The SEC. It's going to be tough. You'd have to have earplugs. Yeah. I mean, Beamer's 10 and 8, right? So, <laughs> uh, that's not, uh, he's not, he's not, you know, there's there's not a bottoming out. So, at least not yet. And I, I don't think there will be this year. Uh, Alex says, Craig has a good point. A few extra days may help. Look what Satterfield was able to scheme up with a few extra days for North Carolina in the bowl game. Yeah. I mean, he, they had a pretty good plan of things for that bowl game. Yeah, Lady Fan. Lady founds her bell mistake. So, yeah, she, email that on in. Um, Clint says, Clint, if we start slow, slow you will hear the eyes rolling. <laughs> Ed says, while I breathe, I hope Cox by 90. Uh-huh. Always right. always a good prod- prediction, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. L- Lady says, I still call for spying on Rodriguez with Emanuare, someone physical in that one-on-one instead of three people to try to get to one. Yeah. That's not a bad idea. I mean, I think that, um, you know, Chris Rodriguez, I'll tell you what the poll, most of the people are saying over, over 99 and a half. I mean, you know, that's just one of those history things. I mean, it's uh, mm-hmm. uh, historically. Well, that, you know, and if Cavazier Smoke isn't playing, then, I mean, he's yeah. going to be number one. <laughs> the, 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 the featured back. You, know, you get a heavy dose of Chris Rodriguez Saturday night, mm-hmm. right? Um. Aaron says, let's go. JC and Phil was cracking. Um, Lady Bree says, she lived in Atlanta 20 years, and our fan base was pretty anemic there. I, you know, I lived in Atlanta for a while, too, and the crowd we got out of Dive Bar and Buckhead for the, the watch parties was pretty significant. But uh, the Florida State watch party was next to that bar at the other bar, and they did have a bigger bigger contingent. Uh, but uh, the Atlanta Gamecock situation is kind of divided a little bit. So there are people all over the city or, or whatever. Um, Jared says any percentage we can keep GG for more than one season in IL help. Well, he's getting a lot of deals. Um, I don't think so. I, I think that, I think he's going to, I mean, it is basketball and that's pretty common. Yeah. That's a uh, one and done kind of player. Yeah. He really is. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he could. I mean, yeah. that, that was the idea behind reclassifying is it gets you closer to going to the league. Uh, and so I think that's the deal there. Um, Clint says nothing better than a crisp 50 degree football game. Agreed. Yeah, that's nice, especially when you're sitting on your sofa watching it. <laughs> uh, so here we go. Uh, Lady Bree says, my prediction is 34 24 USC. I think we got a couple more stops than they get. And I expect big plays to keep drives going and point scoring at times. Good. Doc says, my buddy makes peach brandy that make you forget your own mom. I'll never forget my mom. That's more likely. And Phil knows me uh, pretty well outside of the show. <laughs> That's more likely to make me call my mom and have an embarrassing conversation. I was just about to say, it was like, you get to mom. drinking real hard. I get to thinking about mom a bit more than yeah. I probably should. We're from the South. You know, we start t- talking about mama and stuff. And boy, it's uh, it's <laughs> on then. Get to drinking, talking about mama. Oh, man. Uh, Craig, Craiger, I will answer this uh, in time about the top three offensive coordinator replacements. Uh, I don't want to get into it right now. I, 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 I don't really actually have a good answer. Um, I think there's a lot of options. Um, and it kind of just kind of depends on, you know, what I do think is important is you, you have to have a vision if, if, if there's a change made, if you're Shane Beamer. And look, obviously this, the Satterfield uh, conversation is a is one, one we've had, right? Obviously, 
I wouldn't have chosen to go in that direction, you know, just because, but I'm not a coach and, and I'm wrong, but I've been wrong all year. So don't, don't take my word for it. But, but to Beamer's credit, I, I, I see the idea, you know, I see, okay, well, you know, you can go out here and have sort of a pro style offense. That's a modern pro style deal that's versatile where you can establish the run, play physical football and have a good passing game, blah, blah. The, 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 the idea is there. I mean, that's, that's the people ask all the time about the identity. Um, and I think your identity changes year to year. You look at Kentucky, they don't have an offensive identity like they did last year. Their identity this year is different. Uh, South Carolina, you, you kind of don't know. Um, so, so I think, I think what has to happen is that with any change you make, is you, you need to sit down and, figure out, okay, what does the South Carolina offense look like? You know, like when Dabo hired Chad Morris and then Morris left, he said, well, that's not the Chad Morris offense, it's the Clemson offense. Well, okay, so you don't have to go get a Chad Morris. You don't have to go get this, that. I mean, its style is up to whoever's making that decision. Mm -hmm. I personally think a style of play that's, um, you know, more modern, that's easy to learn, that you can play fast, uh, you can do different tempos, you can establish the run, uh, something that's kind of creative with uh, with everything, and and one that's done less, you know, more with less. Yeah. Uh, I think because you're at South Carolina and any of these programs in the SEC, not named Alabama and Georgia, your personnel is going to change from year to year. We just mentioned Kentucky. Kentucky's been a very successful program. They've won what twenty eight games in in the past three years, uh, non pandemic years, thirty two overall. Uh, they, they've been good, right? Well. Look at them this year. They can't just line up and pound you. You know, they're doing different things. And so that's uh, Kentucky at Ole Miss. You know, their personnel's changed. Uh, they, they they have to adjust and adapt. Tennessee, at some point, when Hooker leaves and somebody else is the quarterback, they're going to have to adjust. And, you know, they'll probably keep going 90, 99 miles an hour. But, they, they, you know, they're going to be different depending on who their personnel is. Even Alabama, uh, you know, last year was not the best Alabama team ever at running the football. Uh, but they chunked it all over the yard, you know. Now, you know, with their new quarterback situation, if Bryce Young doesn't play against A and M, that's going to look different than what you know Bryce Young did. So, something that's adaptable that your players can learn, that's fun to play in, that can put points on the board. I personally don't care what level of football it came from. It comes from. <laughs> uh, the more I look at it, uh, the more I think the guys that have success in college football calling plays. Uh, come a lot of times from the lower levels and not from the NFL. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and that's just kind of uh, what I've noticed in the trend. So that would be mine. I, I would, you just, you have to establish what you want and you have to go out and get it and commit to it, you know, and mm-hmm. hopefully what you want is something that's working, you know, no matter where it is. On the other aspect of that is too, it's like, it's not just your scheme that you're putting together, you know, sitting around a table pregame. It, it's how are you calling it? You know, do you have a feel for the game in game for going yeah. play? Or and you, you have to your personnel correctly. I and mean, that, there's a lot that goes into that. Your, your film and your film doesn't lie on that. You know, watch yep. the film. Is there a rhythm to it? What's the call? You know, that kind of thing. You know, it, it's it's beyond the chalkboard. Uh lady says, uh, guys, watch the YouTube videos on Stoops that the previous USC. They are worried he compliments us more than our own fans. Well, I don't know if he's worried. I think it's a it's a little possum playing possum a little bit. Yeah, it's Kentucky, yeah. so there's got to be a lot of possum, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, <laughs> they they sell that in a can up there. 
Hey, you want, here, want some possum? Sure. <laughs> Lady says she lived in Cumming half that time. Yeah, I have a good friend that lives in Cumming, Forsyth County, the county seat of Forsyth County, Georgia. Uh, AJM2 says the top 25 is such a joke. Three ACC teams, give me a break. We would beat Wake or NC State if we played them at home. Yeah, I mean, the football world would be better served if the AP just showed up for at least six weeks and didn't even put one out until, like, next week. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> yeah, because there's so much of that preseason crap that comes into this that, you know, I, I don't know. Hey, who knows if anybody's really good at this point either? Because most everybody's been playing, you know, three nothing football games. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, not, again, not nothing, but against lesser competition, let's say. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Clint says, do you think Warren Ruggiero's offense, and he's the OC at Wake Forest, a big fan of his, would work in the SEC? The question I have about Wake's offense in the SEC is too many times over the years, uh, and it, it may just be when they played Clemson that I've noticed this, but maybe in some other games too, when they play a team with a really, really good D-line, that, that mesh, Paul's run thing they do, gets blown up a ton. That would be my and – and I think in the SEC, uh, regardless of how much you love to throw it around, you know, you uh, you need to run the football. And so that would be my concern there. Um, <laughs> lady says positive spins, JC, positive spins. They're worried, LOL. Uh, anyway, so um, mm-hmm. let's, uh, let's roll because we got a guest yeah. right. Yep, yep. That, 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 in, so let's hit the break. That flew by. All right, we'll talk soon uh, uh, on Inside the Game Cash the show after these messages. Just as your State Farm agent combines good neighbor service with surprisingly great rates, you can combine your home, auto, life, or small business insurance with Tony Pope's State Farm Insurance today. And guess what you'll get? That's right, even more good neighbor service with surprisingly great rates. In fact, Tony Pope State Farm is your go-to agent anywhere in South Carolina, North Carolina, or Georgia for the service you deserve at the price you want. So try combining your home, life, auto, and or small business insurance today. Tony Pope State Farm has been in business for more than 30 years and can handle anything you need in the tri-state area. Once again, Tony Pope State Farm will help you mix and match perfectly. Call 843-851-2222 or visit TonyPope.com today. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. If you're a listener, you know I feel strongly that if you're in the upstate and are in need of real estate services, Cindy Searfoss is your go-to person. Searfoss of Caldwell Banker Kane uh, can help you with any of your realty needs right there in the upstate of South Carolina, Greenville, Spartanburg, Anderson, Oconee, uh, Pickens, wherever you are. Cindy can help you with that. She's married to a die-hard Gamecock fan, has been in the upstate for more than 35 years. Right there in my hometown of Spartanburg, Daniel Morgan Avenue. Contact Cindy, 864-414-5271 or email ccearfoss, C-S-E-A-R-F-O-S-S at cbcane.com, C-B-C-A-I-N-E. That's Cindy Searfoss, a proud sponsor of the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Check her out. We've already gotten several emails from listeners uh, that are very impressed with her professionalism and her ability to help you with your real estate needs. 864-414-5271, Sydney Searfoss of Caldwell Banker Kane. 
If you're looking to sell or buy multifamily property right here in South Carolina, the Burgesson team of Remax at the Lake can help you get to closing fast and easy. Adam and Derek Burgesson both are very proud Gamecocks and are more than happy to assist you with any of your commercial real estate needs all across the state. You can email Adam at aburgesson at remax.net. That's A-B-E-R-G-E-S-O-N at remax.net to get your next deal underway. The Burgesson team, proud sponsors of Inside the Gamecocks. Family vacations, a new car, a new boat, all cost money, but you don't necessarily have to make more to afford any of that if you can save cash that's flying out the window now. iHelp Consulting can help you finally get the kids to Disney World, upgrade the minivan, or drop that new boat in the water next summer. Let Daniel and iHelp Consulting consult with you. No fees, just savings. You pay them a percentage of those savings. Save on essential services, credit card fees, you name it, let them find it. These folks are incredible. iHelpConsulting.com. How can I help you? Awesome. Attention golfers of all ages and skill sets. Former Gamecock golfer Meredith Taylor will be a full-time golf instructor in the Midlands of South Carolina very, very soon. You want to take advantage of this opportunity. If you're like me and you got to get a whole lot better at golf, or even if you're looking to refine your swing, Meredith is the person you need to go to. She's competing in her final USGA Mid-Amateur Tournament this summer before going full-time into teaching and coaching individuals. If you're in South Carolina, Meredith will be conducting in-person golf lessons at the Country Club of Lexington. Half hour, hour, on course. She'll play 9 or 18 with you. If you're out of state, though, this is really exciting. She'll be conducting virtual lessons. You can send in your swing for her expert analysis. Also, in November, she'll launch an online course with video instruction for all ages and skill levels. Meredith has 20-plus years of knowledge, former SEC golfer, all of that. So contact her on Twitter, at Taylor at M-E-R-T-A-Y-L-O-R, or go to McKellarEnterprises.org. McKellar is spelled M-C-K-E-L-L-A-R, Enterprises.org. Her email is on the website, so you can connect with her for any other questions. Go get your golf game in order. Take advantage of Meredith Taylor and her services. Yep, time to get back to the show. Shoot. All right, my man. Welcome, Welcome back, to everybody. Okay. You want to take a go right ahead, buddy? Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> I messed that up. I'm, I'm, I'm out of protocol here. I know. Yeah, we're all kind of thrown off on this crazy week. But uh, no, the Keller Enterprises guest line, Chris Phillips with the Spurs Up Show joins us. Of course, the first hour of the show is brought to you by Cindy Searfoss Realty at Coldwell Banker Kane for all your upstate residential real estate needs. Give Cindy a call, 864-414-5271. And we're brought to you by Manscaped, 20% off of manscaped.com with the code BIGSPUR. Let's roll. <laughs> All right, Chris, how you doing today, bud? Phil, JC, what's up, man? Uh, pleasure to be here. Obviously excited. Big week, huge weekend uh, this weekend in Lexington, but excited to chat with you guys. Appreciate you having me on. What's going on? Yeah. How big, uh, I mean, I, I think this thing's kind of taking on a life of its own. And, you know, I, I was sitting there going, hey, you know, it's game six. It's right now. Anything can happen. It's going to be disappointing if they don't win Saturday night because I feel like they match up pretty well, quite frankly. But, uh like I told Phil, I mean, what I think doesn't matter. I mean, this this uh, the whole fan base is uh, yeah. sort of united in the fact that this one's huge. Yeah, and it feels like a tale as old as time, right? We, we've been here many times before, and I, I think it's because, and I said it yesterday on our live show, that if you're at a point where you have to tip your cat to Kentucky, I think it says more about your program than it says about theirs. Give the cats all the credit in the world, right? And I feel like, um, you know, I, I, I don't want to – 
vault myself up or my word, but I feel like I've given as much credit, if not more, than any Gamecocks content creator to the Kentucky football program because I think that's what irks Kentucky fans so much and why they hate South Carolina is because our fan base just refuses to give Mark Stoops and Kentucky any credit at all. We still look at them as sort of in the Vanderbilt scheme of things, right, or Vanderbilt light, if you will. But the Cats have won four straight bowl games, and they've beaten you seven of eight, and a lot of times they've done it in pretty convincing fashion. So um, this is a big one for South Carolina. I do agree with you, though. You know, it's interesting. The life of its own, it's a huge game. Don't get me wrong. But it is game six of year two of the Shane Beamer era. But as we're seeing, right, coaches, they just don't get forever to figure it out, right? I feel like by year three, whether it's fair or unfair, fan bases sort of make up their mind. And I'm not saying that we're moving towards fans you know, turning on Shane Beamer or anything like that. But, uh, you know, it's it's certainly a big game for the perception of your program. And I think, folks, the reason it's such a big game, too, is because so many people had these high expectations and, and lofty goals of winning eight, nine, maybe even ten games, something crazy like that. And for many folks, they look at this Kentucky game that, you know, I talked about it's the inflection point of this season. If you're going to come even close, right, if you're even going to dream of having that type of year, this is one of those swing games, and it's a gettable game that you simply have to have. But I tell you what, guys, you know, I dropped my best bet this morning. I think the Gamecocks plus 10 and a half is the play. I, I just do think – I have to believe with the extra rest and, and you know, Kentucky's banged up and you're as healthy as you've been since week one, I do think it'll be a close competitive game. But what's so interesting is that it feels like there's a 100 reasons to pick Kentucky to win, and there's only a couple to pick South Carolina – but that old adage, it's always darkest before the dawn, you know, where it feels like everybody's down and out right now. Everybody's negative. But I just keep going back to, you know, we're exactly where I picked this to be at this point in the year. And over the summer, I had us beating Kentucky. So I don't think it's impossible. I, I think it's a great opportunity. But South Carolina is going to have to do something, JC and Phil. It hasn't done very often, which is go on the road in the SEC and play well enough to win against a quality opponent, Opponent, might I add. Yeah, I think that's the key. It's uh, you, have to, you have to go out there and, and, and change things around. And it, 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 that, like I, I said earlier, history, I, I think, is playing into, oh, yeah. into this a little more than, than maybe what it is, you know, just yeah. kind of what it is. But history matters. I mean, yeah. look, Kentucky's kids aren't coming into this game thinking they're going to lose. Right. You know, I mean, pe- people – uh, and I know you're right. Gamecock fans feel that way. I mean, I you know sometimes I think, well, gosh, why why I can't this program beat Kentucky? You know, because uh, we mentioned it over the summer when the Stoops uh, blow up happened. They they have not been uh, as good against teams with winning records and things like that. You know, over the, over the years, um, and uh, you know, and and but their success overall speaks for itself. So. I'd, I, uh, you know, I, 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 I get caught up in that too, you know? Yeah. JC, to your point, like you said, I mean, history doesn't define you, but a lot of times it is a good, it gives us a good idea of what is to come, right? I mean, you look at South yeah. Carolina, I mean, they've struggled so mightily on the road the last couple of years. And I saw a stat from our good buddy, Brad Crawford, uh, the Gamecocks have lost eight straight games on the road and they are one and seven against the spread in those eight straight losses. So not only are you losing on the road, but when you lose, you lose in fashion, and, and that's the mm-hmm. problem. And and then you look at the history of the series, and you know I think what's so maddening, JC and Phil, about it is again Kentucky's won seven of eight. You look back at those seven losses. I, I don't think there's many a Gamecock fan that in any of the seven you look back and say, well, you know Kentucky was just a better team. You just tip your cap to them. They just they were better than us. 
I think Gamecock fans look back at all seven and say it was inexcusable. We shouldn't have lost the game. That's what makes the losing streak or makes this trend, if you will, so maddening. So I think that's also what scares folks going in this game is we felt this same way. Like, we should beat Kentucky. Bottom line, Mm -hmm. we should win this game. And we've had the rug pulled out from under us, it's felt, so many times. So I understand fans being cautious, especially, you know, I think it would have been better, honestly, if Kentucky had beaten Ole Miss. Some may disagree, but now you've got, you know, a disgruntled Cats team that comes home, backs against the wall. They're under the lights in their home field. And you're right, guys. They're expecting to win, and they should because they've, they've owned the Gamecocks over the last eight years. As J.C. said over the uh, over the preseason, Kentucky might be frauds, but the Gamecocks have been owned by frauds over the last eight years, so or seven of the last eight. Yeah, man, that, that was a great close-up of my face, too, on that, man. I was like, wow! It scared the crap out of me, man. I was like, oh! And I was like, wait a minute, that's me. I, I tell you what, though, JC, I don't, I don't think Kentucky fans have got as much a vendetta against you as they do Steven Garcia right now. Because I don't Ooh. know. The latest I checked those numbers, I think that clip's sitting around about fifty thousand views. So wow, dude! That, that's that's fans uh, are very well aware of the Spurs Up show right now, and specifically Steven Garcia. That's for sure. Hey, Steven went in there in 08 <laughs> and saved the day, man. Yeah, saved the day. I mean, Spurrier was like frustrated as you know what, and came in relief. Put Steven in. Put Steve. Let's just, just go Steven. Boy, he yeah. played his butt off, man. I don't I don't know uh, if you heard the story he told us, by the way. He said that he was sick that entire week and only practiced on Thursday. And so he like <laughs> he he said he went in. He didn't even really know the game plan for Kentucky or what the he just went out there and played and it worked out. So hey, sometimes that's the best way to do sometimes it. Sometimes yeah. that's it. Yeah. I, I think I think it, looking back on this this series, probably the 2020 loss didn't stick with me that bad. I and mean, that was the probably it was 41-18. Uh, Kentucky, because I, you know, Carolina was playing with 50 players. It was the last game of an interim coach. Uh, yeah. COVID, Shane got Shane Beamer got hired that night. Uh, a lot of distractions. Kevin Harris still ran for like 200 and something yards, but uh, you know, so that one I can kind of excuse. But the rest of them, you're right. They, they, Carolina has not played well against mm-hmm. the Wildcats. They, they just have not. I mean, you know, the 2017 game was the cruelest of them all. You know, I thought I, I literally said I've said this story before. I've sat on my porch the whole next day with my phone off with my buddy who was a shell shock Tennessee fan because they had lost to Florida on the last play that same day and just did, had pro football on the background and just thought about life. I, I got to like reevaluate things after that yeah. one. Um, 2018, Carolina played that was Jake Bentley's worst game of his career. Um, you know, 2019, uh, Carolina won, you know, yeah. so tw- and then 2020. So, uh, you know, going even going back to you know, uh, this game two in 2015 Spurs last year, mm-hmm. Perry Orr starts that game. Carolina probably wins it, you know, uh, because Kentucky got up big. They put Orth in, he let it come back, and then it just fell short. So yeah. it's just been time and time again. You know, you know Carolina's snatched defeat from the jaws of victory. Last year, perfect example. Uh, they kept turning it over. Carolina kept getting it, couldn't go anywhere on offense. And that gets me to my next subject. Lots of talk about the offense this week. You've had some things to say. Uh, you know, you're, you're taking what needs to happen on that side of the ball for Carolina to be victorious and, uh, you know, to kind of people to start, start feeling a little better about, about what's going on there. Uh, well, simply put, we need to score some points. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I, I'd like to see a balanced attack. You know, you talk about, you know, I thought your, your article, JC, and I know we talked a couple of weeks ago about physicality in that Georgia series. That was a fantastic piece you had. You could say that about South Carolina, Kentucky, too, because this has just been a series that, you know, you could talk about individual performances at quarterback, wide receiver, 
line of scrimmage to me has been the story. I mean, the Cats have just whipped you up front. And give Mark Stoops credit, the culture he's built there and the and the identity of Kentucky football. They're a hard-nosed group. They're physical. You know, I was just looking at them before we talked. You know, their linebackers are fantastic. And, again, just the way they play the game. I've been so shocked at their, their lack of success running the football this year. But offensively for South Carolina, you know, I talked over the summer, guys, and the reason I picked the Gamecocks to win this game back in July was Spencer Rattler. Number seven, I said Rattler will outduel Levis. And if Spencer Rattler, whether this is fair, unfair, what have you, if Spencer Rattler's the guy that I think he is, he goes to Kentucky and wins this game. Spencer Rattler that I know that I believe he is doesn't lose this game. Now, he's going to need help, right? He's going to need help on the offensive side in regards to scheme. And again, I think we just want to see some balance. We'd like to see some creativity. No, nothing out of the ordinary from what we've been clamoring for for weeks, right? I mean, no, nothing nothing crazy. I'm not saying anything we haven't heard over and over and over again. So, um, also, I want to see a much faster start. You know, it's not going to work to get down to Kentucky 14-3. to that, That's just not going to be a recipe for success. I understand you pride yourself on being a second-half team and being winning the fourth quarter and being resilient. But when you put yourself in those type of holes – against a quality opponent like Kentucky, you're just not going to be able to dig yourself out. So, um, you know, offensively, I'd like to see some sort of ground game established, uh, but with a team that's had extra time to get ready. And this is the make-or-break game, right, for Marcus Satterfield, because I, I feel like I've been – I'm not someone who's who's led the fire Satterfield chant. I, I feel like I've sort of – kept to myself you know I, I gave everybody the benefit of the doubt last year that hey it's personnel right revolving door at quarterback and and, and bunch of first year coaches and these are the must champ players blah 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 on and on we go personnel was the issue I give you that but you add all the pieces you've added you've had the spring you've had the summer you've had fall camp now you're going into game number six I mean if it's not clicking now guys I don't feel like it's ever going to click, right? I don't feel like it's ever going to click. So, again, that's why I've been saying Kentucky may not be the most important game this year. I labeled that as, as Mizzou over the summer, but the inflection point, man. I, I just If you don't have it figured out by this week and you're not able to get something going with, with Spencer Rattler, and maybe you are, right? Maybe these last two weeks you were able to take away a lot of positives. Your offensive line gained a lot of confidence You know, in the SC State game. You didn't go downfield enough for all of our likings, but I'm not sure that was even possible. But maybe, you know, you carry that to this game and you have some things dialed up. You take some downfield shots. You get your playmakers on the outside more involved, like Antoine Wells and Jaheim Bell and Jalen Brooks stays hot and Josh Van finally, you know, has his breakout game. But I just want to see balance and I want to see a football team. I don't know if this is going to be a great answer, but it just looks like it knows what it's doing, man. Like, we have some sort of a plan. Like you mentioned, JC, we don't just want to see on the opening drive, run, 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 run. The second drive, pass, pass, pass. Like, have some balance. Have a little bit of balance. Have a plan. Execute on said plan. And make adjustments from there. Like you said, JC, what's scary about it is you mentioned Marcus Satterfield. In-game play calling, making adjustments, it kind of feels like you either have it or you don't. And at this point, Sat ain't got it. So Saturday is going to go a long way. And, guys, if it doesn't work, I, I'm just – I don't want to be the guy. I'd rather be talking about a victory over Kentucky next week. But if the offense doesn't click this weekend, I'm out on Marcus Satterfield, man. We just got to see some results on the field. Yeah. I mean, everybody's probably seen enough, I would think. Don't you most, think, Phil? I mean, most are already on the fire Satterfield. Track. I, 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 I feel like. I'm, I'm behind on yeah. 
Yeah, uh, I'm, I'm teetering right now. It's like, you know, because it, it just, I don't know. It's the product on the field is what it all ultimately, you know, what it boils down to. And the thing that's so frustrating about these damn Kentucky games is that it's it's the cliche game, right? It's the it's in the trenches. It's physical football. It's fundamentals. It's like they're running it down your throat. And, and you've got to break that <laughs> somehow. It's not just Kentucky. Like, I think like, this is a huge yeah. game, but I think it's like insert any of your – you know, SEC opponents here on a road game because you've got to change your road, uh, you know, losing streak. You've got to play physical football. You got to get out to a fast start. It doesn't matter that it's Kentucky this week. It's just where we are as a program. Because, you, like you said, Chris, I, I don't think record wise, we're off from where anybody thought we would be preseason, right? I mean, it was fairly reasonable for us to be three and two at this point. Um, but if you want to have a good season, you have to win game six it doesn't yeah. matter that it's Kentucky. you got to steal a couple swing games man i mean and that's yeah. and that's i'm gonna talk to jc about this later this afternoon when he comes on our show but that's that's been my greatest internal dilemma this week is i'm like why do i feel so the way i do about the rest of the year when we're sitting exactly where i thought we would be record wise i'm like dude, is it a me thing like what what's wrong with me and then I see the rest of the fan base, and I, and I just think it's like, oh, it's right, right, right. I'm in good company. Comes, <laughs> right. It comes back to how you win and lose, though. And, and I think if we're sitting at this point, even I think if the results are the same, guys, but Spencer Rattler's just played sparkling football to this point. He's taken care of it. And there, there's been other things. I, I think the viewpoint or the, the way we view everything and the way we view the rest of the season is so much different. But I just think – there were so many things, not even just record-wise, but there were so many things across the board for this football team that the expectations were so high, and they're just not being met. You know what I mean? They're just not being met. And you don't have a whole lot to hang your hat on right now. I mean, even in your SEC games, you look at Arkansas. Well, we threw it around a lot. Well, Arkansas has got the worst pass defense in college football. Like, you can't even hang your hat on that, really. So I, that's one thing I think that makes this game so intriguing this weekend is that, you know, we all thought Kentucky was overrated at seven. I still think they're overrated at 13th. I don't think Kentucky's all that great. I think they're a good team, but I don't think they're the 13th best team in college football. I think a quality football team's going to beat Kentucky. Are we a quality football team? I just don't know the answer to that yet. That is, as, you know, and, and I'm with you. And I, and I like Levis, and I think, uh, uh, you know, what they're doing. I love Rodriguez, obviously. He's um, He's been a Gamecock killer, and uh, obviously he's a really elite player, and I like their freshman receivers, and, you know, they're always pretty relatively tough on defense. I just – this when I look at them, Chris, I, I, and, and I discount the the near miss against Northern Illinois uh, because Kentucky plays a game like that every single season. Uh, they did last year against Chattanooga. They almost lost for some reason. <laughs> they kind of hang in the balance against one of the cupcakes they play. Uh, and so, so I dismissed that a little bit. But I started looking at it. I started looking back at their win at Florida. Uh, everybody went nuts when that happened. But I don't think Florida's very good. I mean, Florida, Florida was so. I mean, that's that's kind of like the, the 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 bad thing about these polls and stuff. Yeah. Because I was just gonna say, like, I feel like we've had a very similar season to Kentucky. Granted, we haven't won an SEC game, but I think one of the reasons why Kentucky just got so much preseason hype and it's all BS. I mean, Florida literally went from unranked to ranked what. 15th or something. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it just, it makes no sense. Like, I just, you know, how good is Florida? They might go six and six. 
You know, so I, I just they're 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 two plays away from being one and four right Right, now. right. They almost uh, lost yeah. South Florida on their home field. You know, so. and, and that, yeah, I just uh, yeah, I, I I didn't. Florida Richardson threw twenty one incomplete passes in that game. I mean, I think if Spencer Rattler throws twenty one incomplete passes, it's going to be a long night for the game cost. Right. Uh, I described Kentucky, and I got the I stole this from my friend Josh Pate. Uh, who, by the way, congratulations, he re-signed with 24-7 Sports and CBS yesterday. Glad to have him remain on the team. Uh, but but he he calls Kentucky a spider web team. Like, you will get caught in their spider web if you're not careful. Like, I think that's what happened to Florida. Florida got up. They, they were rolling along. Uh, same, same thing happened to Carolina in 2017. Uh, you're up. You're rolling along. You think you should be winning. Next thing you know, you're down 10 in the fourth quarter because they've just continued to – Battle and battle and battle, and if you, you make mistake after mistake after mistake, and you don't capitalize on theirs, then all of a sudden you're in the web. That I, I thought it happened to Ole Miss. On I mean, Ole Miss is rolling right along. I thought Ole Miss was going to boat race them after the first quarter. Next thing you know, it's twenty two nineteen, and Kentucky's sitting at the three yard line. <laughs> you know, I mean, and so Carolina has to avoid that. And I think getting off to a good start uh, is part of it. But I also think maintaining that intensity and attacking mentality, uh, you got to take the fight to them. You know, I think if you're South Carolina, uh, that's easier said than done. But I, I think you got to take the fight to them. I think you got to heat up Will Levis. Don't let him get comfortable on defense. If you give up a big play, so what? He's shown he'll throw a pick. I mean, obviously, yeah. let, yeah, let yeah, the yeah. SEC interceptions last year. I think I think slowing down Chris Rodriguez, too, man, I, I thought one of the most interesting stats of the week, and there's been so many. Again, shout out to our good friend Brad Crawford, who I feel like has just been a, on a roll this week on Twitter. Stat machine, yeah. Stat <laughs> machine, yeah. But uh, Chris Rodriguez in his career averaging 7.6 yards per carry against Carolina. Like, yeah. I mean, I, that's got to change. I mean, that, you don't stand a chance if that's the case. But, you know, hey, it, it, I, I'm just – guys, I'm so excited we're not playing Charlotte. We're not playing SC State. No disrespect to those teams and the value of those games in your season, but we're actually going to be able to learn something this weekend. And that's what I'm excited about because no, yeah. you, have, you have to nitpick so hard in those, in those quote-unquote cupcake games, what have you. But this weekend, we're going to find out a lot about South Carolina. We're going to find out a lot about Kentucky. Um and it's going to be a good one, I think, for sure. I think it is going to be a game that comes down to the wire. I'm not ready to lock in any sort of prediction, but uh, sure. you know, there's, a, there's a lot of reasons to pick the Cats. I mean, on their home field at night, and you know, you look at what South Carolina has done against quality competition, they haven't surrendered less than 200 yards rushing, right, to a team that we would call quality, Georgia State, Georgia, and Arkansas. So, And Kentucky hadn't been able to run the football, right? They're <laughs> dead last in the end. Weird. It's weird, isn't it? Weird. That's a so weird. So weird. So weird, you know. Right. So weird. Uh, so I, you, know. you just – you just hope the Gamecocks aren't the team that they get it going against. And I, I just hope South Carolina is the team because I think Kentucky's going to get brutally exposed. I just hope South Carolina is the team that's going to do it. Yeah, I, I see them. Uh, there's a lot. I mean, you know, Tennessee owns them as it is, too. Tennessee may score a million points in that one. Uh, but we'll yeah. see, you know, if they don't get caught in the damn spider web. So, you know, <laughs> in the spider web. In the yeah. spider web. So, anyway, well, all right, Chris, I know you got a show to get to, man. Uh, talk to you tomorrow, right? Our segment tomorrow or today? Yes, yes, tomorrow. I apologize. The, yeah, no, I'm, no, I'm it's get, okay. I'm getting my days crossed. I'm ready for kickoff, man. I'll be joining you from Lexington, Kentucky. So, that's uh, okay. We'll, we'll, we'll look forward to that tomorrow. So, very good. That, you, hit, you hitting the bourbon trail or no? Uh, not, not before I go on with you. <laughs> 
maybe maybe you should go before make one hell of a segment. Oh man, yeah, my fa- could you imagine my big red face? Whoa, <laughs> God, buddy. Why not? Why not? It'd be awesome. All right, Chris, we really appreciate it, and we'll uh, we'll holla at you soon, bud. Yeah, man, appreciate you guys. Y'all take care. See you. Yes, sir. Chris Phillips from the Spurs Up Show. Always high energy, always good stuff, and, and he makes some excellent points. And Brad Crawford, by the way, has had some good stats this week. And, you know, Phil, you, you start talking about Kentucky's run game, it, it is kind of something has to give. Yeah. You know, so Kentucky's got a bad run offense. Carolina hasn't been able to stop the run. Uh, you know, Carolina hasn't been able to get a lot of sacks and, and pressure the quarterback. Neither has Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, something's got to give. Yeah, it's just, you know, you got decent matchups, like you've been saying, JC. It was like there's no reason to say Carolina can't win this game. Yeah. You know, because their, their weaknesses are, are there, and you just have to exploit them. And, you know, if their run game is suspect and their offensive line is suspect, then it's time for this offensive line to show its stars and get after it. I know. I, I'm with you there. Uh, an offensive line, I thought, did take some steps forward just from a cohesiveness standpoint. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I know the level of competition has a lot to do with, you know, blocking and not getting overwhelmed, but, uh, also offensive line is some, sometimes like a, it's like a ballet, if you will, you know, you kind of had to work in uh unison. Uh, and I thought, I thought the guys, the last two games against Charlotte and SC state sort of, you know, played better. I, I want to make her, uh, had some bad things happen against SC state at times. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but I think we we all know he can play, and Ja'Kai Moore can play, and Jalen Nichols, and Dylan Wanham's back this week. So we'll see uh, kind of how all that works. But I do think the line uh, has played a little more cohesive. Uh, yeah. I help consulting mailbag, by the way. <clears throat> Gamecock Pastor has a hot take for the weekend. Oh, I saw that earlier. Yeah, yeah he says, <laughs> if we lose to UK, we won't make a bowl. Ah, don't you speak that evil toward me, Ricky Bobby. <laughs> Uh, you know, don't put that evil on me, Ricky Bobby. It'll be a lot tougher. I'll give them that, but I, you know, let's hope I, that, that take doesn't come to I mean, fruition. You, you come, you come back, you beat A and M, and then you're a win over Vandy and Missouri for getting to a bowl. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, now can they lose the next two weeks? It's going to be tough uh, if they do lose the next two weeks because it's. The schedule, Phil, is not overwhelming. I think the schedule, although it is an SEC schedule and it's challenging, and, and there's there's good teams left. Um, so yes, if they won't make a bowl, if we win, this this is a 7-8 win team plus a bowl opportunity. This game builds or snatches momentum. Is it too much pressure? Maybe. Doesn't mean it's not true. Right. I don't know. I, you know, I, I think, you know, I, if they beat Kentucky, man, I don't know that people need to be sitting around talking about hoping to get to – uh, seven or eight wins. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. And uh, I, I just, uh, I just, um, you know, I just don't, I don't see it. Uh, you know, being that limiting. You know, I, I think you can go on and beat a And M. I think you can go on and beat Missouri and Vandy. I think you can beat Florida. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I think you can beat Tennessee. I, I, you know, you beat Kentucky, it could really springboard a lot for the rest of the season. If not. You know, there's going to be a lot of soul searching uh, during the open date, especially if it doesn't work out too well. All right, oh, yeah. back second hour. Uh, when do we have Jamie? Is Jamie coming on when bottom of the hour? Oh, he's sitting right here waiting. Uh, All right, JB is going to join us, and we'll interact with you guys on the Nana Sports chat box. Uh, also, we got uh, 
inside uh, the Gamecocks at gmail.com has a uh, an email in it. So we will answer that from the I Help Consulting mailbag. But first, we're going to pay some bills and we'll be right back with JB on the other side on Inside the Gamecocks, the show on a hump day. If you're a listener, you know I feel strongly that if you're in the upstate and are in need of real estate services, Cindy Searfoss is your go to person. Searfoss of Caldwell Banker Kane uh, can help you with any of your realty needs right there in the upstate of South Carolina, Greenville, Spartanburg, Anderson, Oconee, uh, Pickens, wherever you are, Cindy can help you with that. She's married to a die-hard Gamecock fan, has been in the upstate for more than 35 years. Right there in my hometown of Spartanburg, Daniel Morgan Avenue, contact Cindy, 864-414-5271, or email ccearfoss, C-S-E-A-R-F-O-S-S, at cbcane.com, C-B-C-A-I-N-E. That's Cindy Searfoss, a proud sponsor of the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Check her out. We've already gotten several emails from listeners uh, that are very impressed with her professionalism and her ability to help you with your real estate needs. 864-414-5271, Cindy Searfoss of Caldwell Banker Kane. If you're looking to sell or buy multifamily property right here in South Carolina, the Burgesson team of Remax at the Lake can help you get to closing fast and easy. Adam and Derek Burgesson both are very proud Gamecocks and are more than happy to assist you with any of your commercial real estate needs all across the state. You can email Adam at aburgesson at remax.net. That's A-B-E-R-G-E-S-O-N at remax.net to get your next deal underway. The Burgesson team, proud sponsors of Inside the Gamecocks. Hey, man, are you sick and tired of your business computer guy? Yes, he takes forever to call me back and doesn't always respond to the requests. Yeah, same here. I'm paying him good money. I constantly have issues, and I'm worried he's not backing up my network and securing it properly. Oh, I feel that, man. My head hurts, but I have a good lead on a good idea. I'm calling your boy Matthew Odom today from Heritage Digital. Heritage Digital is an IT firm that specializes in making sure your IT network runs like a dream. If you have one or 500 employees, it doesn't matter. They do it all for one monthly fee and have clients from South Carolina all the way to California. Yeah, I heard that monthly fee's low too, so I don't know why I didn't even think of that. Uh, Do you have 843-699? 1001 is Matt's contact number. Yeah, man, I sure do that. Or you can go to heritagedigital.com. Man, I hear they do a no-cost assessment. Boy, this will help me. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> I'm getting all that and encouraging everyone else to do the same. Heritage Digital, 843-699-1001 or heritagedigital.com, a proud sponsor of Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Family vacations, a new car, a new boat, all cost money, but you don't necessarily have to make more to afford any of that if you can save cash that's flying out the window now. iHelp Consulting can help you finally get the kids to Disney World, upgrade the minivan, or drop that new boat in the water next summer. Let Daniel and iHelp Consulting consult with you. No fees, just savings. You pay them a percentage of those savings. Save on essential services, credit card fees, you name it. Let them find it. These folks are incredible. iHelpConsulting.com. How can I help you? Hey, folks. JC here. I've told you about Nana's Porch over and over again. They sponsor our chat box on the show. Uh, Don't take my word for it, though. I wanted you to hear from Gamecock pitcher Noah Hall about our sponsor, Nana's Porch. Nana'sPorch.com. Go there. Food, truck, catering, whatever you need. Uh, Take it away, Noah. What's up, Gamecock fans? This is Pitcher Noah Hall. 
If you want some delicious food for your event, I suggest visiting nanasports.com today to find out what they all have to offer. It's really good southern cuisine based out of Charlotte, my hometown. I hope you guys go check it out. Go Cox and go Nanas. This is Braylon Wimmer, South Carolina Gamecock Baseball, and you are listening to Inside the Gamecocks, the show with JC and Phil. Go Cox! And Welcome back, everybody. And so the game talks is brought to you by Manscaped. And use the code BIGSPUR for 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. And the second hour of the show is brought to you by the Burgesson team at Remax at the Lake. Get in touch with Adam or Derek for your commercial real estate needs at A. Burgesson. That's B-E-R-G-E-S-O-N at Remax.net. And we're joined on the McKellar Enterprises guest line by none other than Jamie Bradford. How you doing, J.B.? What's up? How y'all doing? Doing well. Hey, JC. That hat, is that the uh, the scholarship and leadership helmet emblem on that hat yes, from sir. back in the day? Yep. Dude, that is awesome. <laughs> I think I know where you got it from, too. I'm going to have to order me one now, man. <laughs> or at least I'm, they don't do visors. So, yeah, uh, they, were, they were uh, doing some um, when I was uh, – doing JB and Goldwater when, you know, my, my business, when I was running my business, they had partnered with us. Uh, and it's a company originally off the West coast and they do all throwback stuff. And it's pretty cool. That's amazing. I like it. I like it. JB, uh, you're getting a lot of love here in the Nana sports chat box. Okay. So, uh, we've talked to people this week. I've opened the show with this. Um, I, I think that, you know, sometimes what I think doesn't matter. <laughs> Because things kind of take on the life of their own. I, I'm very much against over putting an over amount of importance on a game six, right? The, the sixth game of the year. Um, you know, Carolina could go get the slobber knocked out of them, come back and beat A and M, and be seven and three going into the Tennessee and Clemson games. Uh, sure. You know, you just don't know. You know, you don't know what's going to happen. But I think you know. Like I said, what I think, I don't think it matters because this thing has taken on the life of its own and it, it, it looks like just a titanic football game Saturday night for this program. Huge. Fair or unfair? No, uh, yeah, fair. Well, look, I mean, I, you know, I go back. Um, matter of fact, I just had this conversation this morning. I, I, I think it's it, what's been so defeating the last few years is when, or last, at least the last couple of years, uh, is when South Carolina goes on the road. Uh, or plays in a big game, you you just feel like they don't have much of a chance. And and it used to not be that way. You know, I remember when Coach Spurrier got here in 2005, and there was never a game you didn't feel like you had a chance in going into the ball game. As a matter of fact, it was quite the opposite. It was South Carolina seemingly was always on the radar nationally, and in addition to, to, to locally, as being a team to watch, and could they pull an upset, and, and those type things. And and you remember in 2005, I mean, they, they went up to Knoxville. They win. Uh, they beat Florida. Um, you know, and they hang in there in a couple of games that year. I mean, the, the Auburn game got away from them, but they, nobody went into the game thinking they were going to get blown out like that. They, they didn't have a quarterback. Hefner mm-hmm. had to play, and that was a nightmare. Um, you know, and then, and then the same thing from there. I mean, every year they beat somebody they were not supposed to beat. Now, Shane did that last year. Shane – 
definitely the Florida game, and and you can argue the the Auburn game, and nobody really gave the Gamecocks much of a chance in the North Carolina game either. Um, but Auburn and Florida were at home last year, and North Carolina was in Charlotte. You know, they have played awful on the road, just to put it politely. And and so, you know, there's there's a lot that is riding on this. I mean, you thought coming into year two with with better players that you added through the transfer portal that um, they would potentially be able to take another step. And it's just seemed like a lot of the same. If you didn't have the transfer portal and you had the same exact results that you had against Arkansas and you had against uh, Georgia – uh, the narrative would be much different. It would be, okay, you know, this is classic three, four, five-year rebuild, right? That's just – that's what it used to be. But but that's not the case anymore. And all you have to do is look around the the rest of the SEC and every example surrounds you here, every one of them. I mean, look at Ole Miss. They lose all those players last year. Lane Kiffin reloads. Tennessee has no problem. Um, they have – I mean, look what they've done under Josh Heupel thus far. You know, guys that have been – you know, two years, three years in the program. I mean, didn't most people think that LSU was going to be a dumpster fire this year? They sure don't look like it. Uh, you know, they're they're sh- games, yeah. yeah, I mean, they're not the LSU that we're used to, but I mean, you know, so, and, and I guess what it circles back to, you know, kind of wrap this up and toss it back to you is that when I look around the rest of the league, and I feel like I've got a pretty good gauge for this. And, and it's not just my opinion. Not JC, Phil, as y'all both know, you've known me for a long time. I, I try to gauge my opinions based off of what I see, and then you connect that with the information that you receive from people that I just know know more than I do. Mm-hmm. And when you look around the rest of the league, with the exception of Georgia, with the exception of Alabama, and you could probably say they're not playing like it, but overall, with the exception of a team like Texas A&M, Carolina either has as much or they are very close in talent to most every other team in the league, if not have more than talent than more talent than some of these other teams. And it just feels like they haven't really, you know, played to the potential that the, the talent says that they can play to. And, um, and so, you know, maybe that starts on Saturday night. It'd be a hell of a place to start. That's for sure. Because if you lose that game, you, you know, you're 0 three in the league, you got A&M coming up next and, and, possibly staring 0-4 in the league, and that's that's just scary for fans. Absolutely. Uh, and, you know, and, and, and I look at Kentucky, and I understand, you know, why I, I, I think they're high lofty ranking. And this is win or lose on Saturday. I'm, I'll stick by this because I don't – you know, I, I, I just look at them. I, I think they have some weaknesses that would surprise you. Uh, their offensive line is not that good, and they have an injury up front. Yeah. Um, they, they've given up 19 sacks. They're last in the SEC in rushing offense. Uh, they don't really put pressure on the quarterback that well. Uh, they don't rush the passer as well. Uh, they have a, a very elite linebacker, Jacques Jones, that's out. Um, I think they got an opportunistic secondary, and, and they play tough and physical. But this is not the Kentucky I mean, that they were kind of used to, where they're going to line up and, and try to just run through you. Uh, and they may try that because of Carolina's run defense, but uh, it hasn't been that successful so far. They're more of kind of a big play, explosive play offense that relies on that and then a kind of an opportunistic defense. So um, just just in terms of the matchups, I think, I mean, the matchups look favorable to the Gamecocks. Yeah, I mean, right, with the exception of the, the, the glaring uh, – the glaring – conversation that everybody continues to have which is they just they suck on the road 
and it's all on the road at night in a place that they've really sucked for the better part of a decade. Um, you know, so, uh, you know, that that's regardless of matchups that continues to come to the forefront of my mind, at least. And the fact that they still can't figure it out on the road. And for whatever reason, every time they go to Lexington, it just they don't play well there. And um, and, it, and it's pretty disheartening because you used to beat Kentucky every year you rode in W. And that is certainly not the case. That is long, long gone. Um, I, I think that, too, like when you when you look at Kentucky, Gunnar and I talked about this yesterday. Kentucky runs the second year in a pro-style system. Mm-hmm. And South Carolina is their second year in a pro-style system. Liam Cohen brought it in. Liam Cohen left after a year. And then Rick Scan, uh, Scanginello, or San, San Ginello, I can't remember his name, came, comes from the 49ers. San Ginello. Uh, I think that's Kentucky. And, and so Coach Stoops, you know, he goes out and gets another kind of a West Coast offensive type guy who's kind of learned under, you know, the McVay and the Shanahan tree. You know, all those guys that have this, this new style offense. And they've kind of continued down that road in Lexington. And I and don't misunderstand me either. Now Rodriguez had had been out for a while until last weekend. Um, you know they're not blowing the doors off of guys. They're not hanging forty and fifty points a week on anybody or anything like that. But I watched every minute of that Kentucky game last week. South Carolina runs a pro style offense. Kentucky runs a pro style offense, and they look completely different. You know, Kentucky they they, they call plays off of plays. You know, they have. A formula. They have a game plan. They seemingly stick to that game plan. They have a. I think that what was so glaring to me was you know an intermediate passing game. Um, you know, this. I'm not the end all be all with this. I'm. I'm not an offensive coordinator. I'm never going to claim to be that. And I'm definitely never going to, as y'all know, sit in front of a camera and tell you exactly what Marcus Satterfield should do. Because as Pat Demarcus told me a thousand times, a guy knows football. He understands it, and I trust Pat as much as anybody. Um, but you know, when it comes to calling it on game day. You know, for instance, you know, you get to th- – you grind your way to third and one, and then we see a wishbone come in there. Okay, so we're, we're, we're in a wishbone, and we're just trying to get that one yard and move the sticks. Well, Kentucky, you know, they'll run it off tackle for four yards, and then they'll run it inside for, for four yards, and it's third and two, and then they'll go to run it off tackle. Uh-oh, nope, play action, bootleg, tight end, 15 yards down the field. Like, that's mm-hmm. how you call offense. You know, you keep people on their toes. You, you, you make sure that they – uh, you know, either expect the unexpected or don't. And, um, and and you know, there's a lot to be desired offensively for South Carolina on that front, just the flow of an offensive scheme and game plan. And yet they both run pro-style systems. So you're going to see it on Saturday night. Just keep in mind when you're watching the game, Kentucky is a pro-style offense. South Carolina is a pro-style offense, and you'll see what I'm talking about. Yeah, it's supposed to be the same kind of thing, and then you got to set up plays for plays and – there is a debate in the Nanosports chat box now with Lady Bree. Lady Bree, I, I don't agree with you about that being the future of college football, and I'll tell you why. Uh, she, she said that uh, the, the Beamer sees the future and that Beamer wants to run a pro-style system. I, I don't agree with that, any of it. Um, but I'll tell you why, and, and we can debate it at another time. But, uh, yeah, and, and look, Kentucky statistically has not had – the best offense. I think, you know, they they have more explosive plays than they used to. I think they're better on the perimeter than they used to be. Um, but, yeah. I, you know, I think South Carolina's got playmakers. I mean, you know, you, you've got Juice Wells, you got Jalen Brooks, you got Jaheim Bell, who's kind of been on the milk carton. You know, you've got a very good back in Marshawn Lloyd. You got Spencer Rattler at quarterback, Austin Stock. I mean, you've got weapons and uh, it just doesn't seem like, you know, it's been kind of clunky. Uh, you know, getting those weapons going. And we're still waiting for a game where 
you know, South Carolina is not able to run it all over an opponent where the offense actually does work, you know, because if you kind of look at the best offensive games around here, the last 18 games, uh, they've all been in games where the other team just couldn't stop the run. Uh, otherwise, there's things like struggling against Troy and Vandy at home, barely beating East Carolina, you know, in the wins and then the blowout losses. Um, so, I mean, if that's going to be the the, the the simplistic key there to everything, uh, I just don't know how realistic it is that you're going to be able to run at will against every defense on the schedule. Yeah, y- yeah. I mean, and look, I – like um, – Happy, happy, happy. I love that. Uh, whoever you are, hope you're having a happy day. Um, you know, the Kentucky OC is extremely creative. Well, you're right. That's it. Marcus Satterfield is also extremely creative. And there's a difference. Like, there's a difference in having a creative playbook and being able to have a creative game plan. And 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 creative is it takes on two meanings when it comes to that. I mean, South Carolina, if you, if you look at their playbook, you're like, what? Wow. I mean, that's why it's so easy to sell it to good players. I mean, at least it was easy to sell it last year. You put it on a chalkboard, and you're going, this is, this is unbelievable. Again, I go back to the blueprint um, the blueprint example I think I gave last week, JC, maybe on your program or the week before. And, you know, if I said I wanted you to build me a house and you just designed this unbelievable blueprint, I'm like, oh, my God, is, it's got an elevator. It's got a... 90 inch TV in the living room. It's got a roof that extends and, you know, all this fancy stuff that you didn't even know that you could even have. You'd be like, this is awesome. Build the house. And they build it and it's a big giant piece of crap. The motor doesn't work in the roof and the paint's peeling off and the TV, you know, is, is shattered and all those type things. But the blueprint sure looked good. That's what, that's what it's supposed to look like here. Maybe we've got all this stuff in it. Well, yeah, but, but not half of it doesn't work, you know? I, it's kind of kind of where we are here. So creativity takes on a little bit of a different meaning. You know, with, with that said, like, and I've been I've been critical of Coach Satterfield because I want to win. You know, I want to see this offense be what they're capable of being. I want to see what Marcus is capable of being because I do think that he, if he could get better in certain aspects, he's capable of being pretty darn good. I know a lot of that's not a popular opinion. A lot of people aren't going to say that. A lot of people aren't going to believe that. They're not even going on to hear it. They just want to move on to the next guy. And I, I don't blame him. I understand that. I get it totally. But like I, you know, I, I want to see if he can come up with the with the adjustments, find what we do well, and let's do it. You know, you can't just stubbornly do it. I mean, you know, well, man, I tell you what, uh, we sure do run that wishbone well. Well, let's run it 30 times. Well, that's not gonna work. <laughs> you know, I mean, so like you you, you gotta, yes, you have to be creative, but you gotta be creative with the game plan. You gotta play the strengths of your players. And they do have good players, and and that is one thing that I'll just continue to defend. I, I can't and I won't get on this train of they got to continue to recruit their way out of it. No, they got players now to be able to win a bunch of games. Yeah, yeah. if you want to recruit your way into ten plus wins, I understand that we can have that conversation, no doubt about it. But they have players, and they got enough guys to get to seven or eight wins in the regular season, and beyond that with a bowl victory. And I and I'd just like to see it start, you know. Now, <laughs> kick it off seven thirty p.m. SEC Network. Uh, I agree. No time it, like I, the present. It's, it's just, I, I think people are sick of having this conversation too. I mean, uh, you know, you, you, you uh, last year, okay, the, the the narrative was, you know, or the the, the counter narrative, I guess, when people started saying, well, yeah, they, they, 
hey, guess what? The offensive coordinator leaves a lot to be desired. <laughs> uh, to put it nicely, the narrative was, well, gosh, he played four different quarterbacks. Well, that's true, but number one, he didn't play Joyner till the bowl. Okay, I mean, and that, you know, we can talk about personnel usage from now till the end of time about last year and personnel usage. Um, number two, it wasn't like one guy was in one week and one guy was in the next. You know, Nolan started. Well, then he got hurt and he gave way to Doty for three or four games and then Doty got hurt again. Zeb came back in, finished up the Vandy game, started A&M. He gets hurt. Jason Brown takes over for four straight games. You know, Jason Brown started four straight games. He started uh, uh, Florida. He started Missouri. started Auburn. started Clemson. Went two and two. Um, you know, so it wasn't like there wasn't, you know, uh, continuity, you know, week to week. I, and so I didn't really, you know, buy it, but I was willing to buy, you know, and say, okay, well, you got Spencer Rattler and a bunch of good players coming in and a bunch of good players coming back and, a, and an offensive line that's, you know, been here since the 80s. And, you know, you, you, you know, so the excuses are out the window. So, so you know, and what what is the reason now? You know, if they go struggle Saturday night, what will the reason be? You know, and that, that that's my fundamental question. And you mentioned, and I think this is this is another reason the fans are a little upset because you you watch everybody else this past weekend, uh, and their offenses don't clunk around like that. You know, their offenses are. I mean, yeah. they may not work. They may throw incompletions. They they may get stuffed. Uh, you know, but they look kind of coherent. Right. Exactly. You know, and, and that's what, uh, that's what I think people that that's a surface way to describe, I think how they've struggled on offense. Like literally everything's a grind. I mean, it's, it's just a grind. You know what I mean? I mean, the, the bubbles and the wide receiver screens and, and a lot of the run run plays that they have, it is a grind to get yards and, and there's nothing that seems to, ever really be easy i mean i know that that's not always true but but it, it just generally seems like such a it's almost like we're surprised like when we can get a slot guy out and he finds a soft spot in the defense he's just kind of sitting there wide open and we hit him for a 15 yard completion where he just catches it and kind of goes down like it's almost like well, well where's that been for the last four quarters well it's like yeah, but that's also like one of the most common. Like he, he just he just ran a curl, you know. Like I mean, you know, like there there wasn't really a lot to it. It was just kind of like, uh, let's try this out. Oh, they're in zone, and there's a soft spot, and let's kind of throw it to them and see what happens here. So, I mean, I I think that's it's kind of like swimmers. Like if you're watching eight guys, eight lanes of swimmers go to the other end of the pool, mm-hmm. and like one guy gets there, and you know he's five seconds off the pace, which is huge uh-huh. in swimming. But you're like, well, he was within five seconds, but he was just clunking his way down the, the you know, you, you, we all know what a bad swimmer looks like when you're watching good swimmers swim against them, next to them, right? Yeah, you're kind of flowing in, and then there's one guy who's beating his palms in the water, and he, he, he can't breathe right, but he got to the end of the pool, and he got to the finish line. I mean, it's kind of similar. So, I mean, I I don't know. I, I, I don't know what the answer is. You know, I just I'm here to talk about it. Um, I'm just hoping that they they find an answer, and uh, and what I'm really hoping is that the last couple of weeks it hasn't changed the scheme. You know, no, like those major changes, they're not they didn't happen. They're not there. They should they they did a couple little things here and there, right? But but nothing major. So what I'm kind of hoping is like 
they were able to spend enough time on the field, the offense was, you know, where they've they've run 120, 130 plays or something in the last two weeks against inferior competition, where they were kind of able to grind their gears and sharpen their tools a little bit. And and Marshawn Lowe was able to take some hits and kind of feel his way into the football season. And and maybe maybe it just kind of kind of opened their eyes a little bit. You know, maybe it kind of got them into a little bit of a flow where, hey, look, we're just we're going to have to do the best with what we have right now um, from, a, from a schematic standpoint, an offensive game plan, an offensive system sta- uh, uh, standpoint. And maybe these last eight quarters have kind of given them some confidence where they're going to they're going to be a little bit better. I mean, it's still going to be what it's going to be. But like just from a player standpoint, like maybe maybe that's a great benefit of the last couple of ball games. Yeah, well, I think so. yeah. I mean, I'm thinking the same thing. JV is like you can only, you know, you've built some confidence in your players at this point. I agree with you. We've got the talent to win this game on Saturday. There's no question about that. And you know, when it comes to Satterfield, I think the 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 bigger picture now for me at least is looking at it. It was like, okay, we know he's he knows what he's doing. And he's brilliant at doing what he can do on a whiteboard and all that. But how good of a teacher are you? Because you have to you have to be that because you've got such limited time week to week. And how much do you have a feel for the flow of the game? And I think right now we're still coming up lacking in two of those things. <laughs> yeah, and I ex- yeah, and I think too. And JC and I have talked about JC. Uh, you know, Phil, not to move on from you because you're you're right. No, but like we, we had this same comment uh, conversation last year, JC, on my show. Um, it, what I'm about to say, and and it's, do you remember, JC? You remember this? I think we were. I want to say Carolina was. Uh, let's see. When they beat Florida, they got to five and four, right? So I think it was maybe going into the Florida game. I'm pretty sure we were four and four. And I remember asking you, who who are our best players? And and you couldn't answer the question. And I well, I couldn't either. You know, like we we didn't know who our best players were at that point in time, eight games into the year. And now Josh Van had, you know, come on strong and 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 so clearly we felt, felt like he was a guy. We Kevin Harris, you know, Lloyd had still been kind of trying to figure it out, kind of get back into shape. Harris had not popped yet and it, from the 2020 season he had, remember? So he had been banged up, and he was kind of kind of getting back in there. And, um, you know, we, we just didn't know, like, who our best players were. Jaheim Bell had not become Jaheim Bell by that point in time. So you were two-thirds of the way through the season. So, all right, so fast forward one one year, and we're, three into, we're five games into the year. If I ask you who our best players are, you, you we can all tell each other who the best. Marshawn Lloyd, Juice Wells, Jaheim Bell. Um, you know, I, I, I'm still a believer in Josh Fan. Jalen Brooks's name keeps getting left off this list, but we need to include him because he's having a good season. Like, so we know who the best players are on the team, but for whatever reason, like when they flash and they have a big game, then they, you don't really see them again for two or three weeks. So, like, we've got to figure out a way to make sure that your best players – or playing that way. Because when you look around the league and you look around the rest of the country, like you know who everybody's best players are. Because when you're a team's best player, they give you the ball. Like you get the ball. They design the damn game to make sure that you get the ball and you get the ball in positions where you can be successful, not like, you know, moving a tight end slash wide receiver to running back to get a two yard first down. Like, you know, being able to use him downfield where you might surprise somebody on third and two and hit him for 20 yards. Like, those are your best players. So so how can they effectively get these guys the football 
where they can perform their best. Like, give me a chance to be my best, and then let's kind of go from there. So, like I said, I, it's not the players, not my, not my eyes. I, I don't understand why players, you know, have breakout games too and then disappear the next week. I just, you know, Georgia, like I said, I thought Georgia – Watching the game on TV, I thought that uh, maybe they would uh, they had bracketed Juice Wells or shut him down, and, and, and you know, no, no, there was no, there was just no targets. So I, I, maybe that's on Spencer Rattler. Maybe it's not. Uh, I know the offensive coordinator in a press conference one day said that he doesn't have a single play designed for Juice Wells. Well, why the hell not? <laughs> you know, I mean, you know, why, why not, man? Uh, but. Uh, Here's the, here's the deal, you know, and, and you know, and then Jaheim Bell getting 14 snaps against South Carolina State's maddening. He got the ball a little more, but, uh, you know, you, you spend all summer talking about how he's not a tight end, uh, and then you just play him at tight end and then bench him for Nate Adkins because of the things you're asking your tight end to do in the run game. Nate's probably a little better suited for it, blocking-wise. Right. White Campbell in that big jumbo package, which I don't, I don't dislike – I'm just no. like, how can you? How could Jaheim Bell not get and Juice Wells not be guys that get the ball? I don't think they use Stogner enough. I don't think you know, and that's just passing game, run game. Uh, you know, last year their best play was the counter, um, or one of them, that and duo, and when they went kind of, uh, and I think they've kind of rediscovered that the last two weeks. Uh, so I'm I'm curious to see how a counter play works against Kentucky. <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, it, hey, hey, uh, hey, hey. Uh, yeah, what's up, coach? Well, we're uh, three games in and um, we haven't run a counter yet. Do you is that you got that? Is that oh, you know what? That's on page six, so yeah, we'll, we'll run that this week. That's we haven't gotten to chapter I, six yet, you know. That yeah, does defensively was like, yeah, we did it in the fourth quarter of one game that we were losing our ass off 47. <laughs> it worked, you know. I, I, I let's just see, if, let, we'll run that little like I, it's just play, right. I, I and again, I don't want to. You know, I, I hate coming off some. I hate this conversation. Little little, little yeah, I brick, you know. I like if I was Marcus Satterfield watching this, I'd be like, "Who the hell is this guy? And what does he know?" And I agree with yeah. you. I don't know anything. I mean, like, but I mean, it's just it's just interesting to have the conversation. It's like, well, I mean, to use your words, JC. Well, they they've rediscovered the counter. They, you know, that should have been discovered. Like, well, it was discovered. Like. 70 years ago in football, <laughs> like, you know, you shouldn't have to like reach back into this magic bag and go, you know, that might work. Um, you know, no, he went I, further I, back to go with the wishbone, JB. Yeah, you know, exactly. Yeah, exactly. I mean, like I've seen a few people in your chat here that say, you know, throw the slant, throw the slant. Well, like, so it's not always that easy. Sometimes yeah. when the slant looks like it's open, it's actually not. Uh, because you know you're in some type of zone where they're just they're they're asking you to throw a slant. Yeah, right? begging, I mean, yeah. yeah. Sometimes they're they're begging they're begging. Yeah, go ahead, throw that. Go ahead, go ahead. We'll be right here. You know, but 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 to to their point, I'm not saying anybody's wrong. That's not what I'm saying. We, we don't ever throw one. So I mean, like you know, and, and other guys do. Like there is a look where you can throw a slant. Um, you know, so I mean, like it's these th simple plays that that surface observers like myself and others out there. We watch football. We've watched enough football to understand that there are just basic concepts that do work. Uh, and, and it's just about knowing how to set them up and when to call them and who the hell to throw it to or who to hand it off to. And and to your point about, you know, the package, like um, I had a, this conversation over the weekend with somebody else who was like, yeah, well, but if Campbell and Adkins are the ones that are helping us run the football, then 
um, you know, that sucks for Jaheim. Like, unfortunately, they're going to need to play. I'm like, well, you're right and wrong. Yeah, it does suck for Jaheim when it comes to playing that position. He's still one of your best players. Like, you can play these he, guys, but not at the expense of one of your best players. You got to got you got to find him another role. And he's not a tight end. I mean, that that's the, that's the, the thing. I mean, Satterfield said that he's not a tight end. That, those aren't my words. Those those have been my words for a long time. Right. You know, I mean, last year, look, the receiving core was a bit thin <laughs> last season. Like, right for the, say the least. There are more players this year. Jalen Brooks has played really well. Uh, you know, Amari Brown stepped up. You know, you got Juice. You got, you know, people are still waiting for Van to come on. But you, you still, there aren't many freakish, explosive athletes like Jaheim Bell. And lo and behold, what was his best game last year? Oh, it was North Carolina. Well, what happened in that game? Well, they moved to carry on to quarterback. So they had to start Jaheim at what's called the F receiver. Um and then he got the ball, he got that little handoff, and then he busted two long plays, and he had a really good game. Uh, and, and so I get that. Okay, well, you know, these are our best blocking tight ends. Great. Whatever helps you run the football is great. Well, you know, that doesn't mean that doesn't mean anything because because what what you're what that basically says is this, Jamie. It's like, well, he is a tight end. Well, I thought he wasn't, and I don't think he is. I mean, I, and I've done football personnel. Uh, for years, I'm not an X's and O's expert, but personnel usage, you know, I'm I, I could I've done that for years, and you know, I'm not always right, but I just can't say I, I just can't say that they're they they need to find ways to get him the ball. But that's the bottom line, and you, they they and he either is a tight end or he's not, you know, uh, and and moving him to the bench, you know, because you need blocking tight ends in there to me is asinine and a waste. Because I didn't, I thought, I, and, and this is these are not my words; these are Marcus Satterfield's words. I thought he was not a tight end, but now he is. And, and now Wyatt Campbell and, and Nate Atkins have to play in front of him. I, you know, it just it baffles me. Yeah, it's 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 strange. I mean, I, I again, you know, we can, as you mentioned, I hate talking about it, and it's it's like we go in circles and having the same conversation. I do, I do want to plug this in here. I just saw uh, – first of all, I pulled up my email and forgot that today was coordinator day mm-hmm. from uh, from Coach Fink. Coach Fink. Um, but I, I just saw that – you know, and, and this is something that Rattler has not – people I don't think are – you know, nobody's beating the doors down right now talking about how great Spencer has been since he's been at South Carolina. He, he, he does need to continue to improve i don't know how much he can improve in the system to be honest with you i, I hope there's a lot I, I when i say that i'm saying i don't know maybe maybe he can prove a ton I, I don't know but coach sat just said a little bit ago quote i don't care if we're playing trash cans we're, we're not giving up sacks up front and to his point if my numbers are right on this in the last three weeks we've only given up one total sack um, you know, in Charlotte and Sacramento State aren't very good, but in the last twelve quarters they haven't given up a sack. Yeah, Georgia didn't sack them either. Yeah, no, they didn't. Now, now nine quarterback pressures, but they didn't sack them. Right yeah. there, that's where I'm going because that's my that's my point. Is like, all right, yeah, Rattler. No, you, you, we can't sit here and say this is what we were hoping to see through five games from a former Heisman candidate. But I've watched that dude a lot of times this year. Get out of the way and just toss that son of a gun out of bounds before he took a nine or ten yard loss too. You know he he could have probably been sacked about fifteen times the last three weeks and he and he wasn't. So um, he know, does we'll a good job of getting rid of it. Yeah, I think. And then you know sometimes 
uh, you know, it works to his uh, detriment, the forcing the ball. But it, he, you know, I didn't, I didn't think those interceptions last week were on him. I, I thought that, no. you know, that's just one of those things that happens. So, you know, Rattler uh, catch the ball, like catch yeah, the ball, catch the ball. His okay, so the, the the games against Charlotte and SC State, you know, a lot of people were complaining about sort of the short, controlled passing game and all that. I think in a lot of ways that was that was maybe by design to kind of settle him in because he really looked against Arkansas, Georgia, and even Georgia State. He looked a little unsettled. Let me but, tell you what it, you know. You don't know who his best play was last weekend. It's when he yeah. stepped on the pocket and fired it to Stodner for a touchdown. That might be the best play he's had all year. Yeah, stepped right up, threw it, stepped up in the pocket, and threw. It. That's how you quarterback. That's it. And and to Satterfield's credit, and he's dead on with this. And and I was hey, I was wrong after week two. Um, you know, there were some things that, that – shocking, I'm not an offensive coordinator. There were some things that Spencer wasn't doing and kind of sliding up into the pocket was one of – Michael Flint's probably mentioned that on your show. He says it all the time. He calls me at 11 o'clock at night after he's drank a bottle of wine, and I'm like, man, we've already talked about this, but i got to listen to it for the next hour. But he's right. You know, if you just slide up and buy yourself a second or two, and guys will get open. Um, and, um, and so, you know, maybe that's part of the, the improvement. Sorry to throw Michael under the bus there, but he we love, wine. we love Wando on this show, Wando and his wine, but yeah, yeah, that, I, that yeah. Satterfield thing is it, it really eating the crap out of me, JB. Cause it's like, and he always says something at least once a week. It was like, okay, who cares about quarterback stats? And then if you do throw in, you know, pressures and stuff like that, but how many tackles for loss have we taken for throwing it behind the line of scrimmage on the perimeter? Yeah. 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 That's still a loss of yards. Right, right. Well, <laughs> so exactly. You, that, you know, sacks and all that. It was like, it. it that's that's purely academic and deflective, and I do yeah. not like that statement. Totally agree. <laughs> and, and like, and I think that a lot of people get lost. You know, they, they hear the term throw the ball downfield, and they instantly go, well, I, we threw it downfield four times last game. Yeah, for 50 yards, and we, we didn't catch any of them. Like, no, I'm not talking about just dropping back and just – you know, even it, yeah, like just heaving one down there. I mean, that's not what I'm saying. Like downfield passing, <laughs> that it means you throw it down the field. It doesn't mean necessarily that to be considered downfield, it has to go for half of the football field. Yeah, like right. it, it, it yeah. can go for 10, 12, 15, and 20 yards, you know. And and shockingly enough, it can actually go for 25 or 30 if, if you needed it to. So, I mean, it, it's there's a lot of missed. There's a lot of misconception out there about kind of what they mean when they say some of this in the defense of the staff. Doesn't mean what they're doing is working. You know, they're 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 18 games into this tenure and 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 it's not. But um, but maybe it changes this week. I don't know. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah, that's the thing. And I think, yeah, to your point, yeah, dropping a vertical passing, throwing it downfield is not about always bombs. You know. Uh, it, it is what you said. There's 10, 15 yard patterns. I'd like to see him run Stogner or, or Bell or somebody up the seam as a tight on a tight end downfield pass or, or something. And, you know, there's just a lot I expected out of this offense that hasn't happened. You know, that, that's kind of too much uh, talent. You know, stuff. Let, like me, let me ask you all this in year two, 2000, take yourself back to 2006. So, 2006, year two, Coach Spurrier. I'm not comparing the, the 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 coach now you can't it's you can compare but steve is steve all right i'm just talking about the players that they had so 
You had Blake and you had Savelle on offense. Um, you had Sydney. You had year two of Kenny. Um, your running back in 2006. Corey Boyd and Mike Davis. Yeah, but was Corey there in 06? Was that his – yeah, he, he was. was suspended, okay. he was suspended, suspended in 05. But he, 05, yeah. Remember the, the 06 opener was the back like cook crack play? Yeah, that's right. That's right. So, yeah, he was there in 06. Yeah, yeah. I love Corey. I ain't talked to him in a while, too. Now, now you you need to get Corey on. We'll call him and get him on here. Man, man, what's up, man? New um, Jersey's finest, man. So, so you uh, so you had those guys. Um, year six – or 06 was the 13th year of – my my dear friend, the big ogre Andy Boyd, at tight end. Um, uh, and okay, I'm just j- just from a um, a a a, a, uh, a skill skill position standpoint. Okay, yeah. All right, so is. those those guys. Now we all know what happened with Sydney. We all know what happened with Kenny, Kenny and how how unbelievable they turned out as players. Corey to this day is still one of my favorite running backs ever. But collectively, if you take that group and this group in year two, I mean. I don't know if, if you could get Coach Spurrier in, in a back room somewhere and you ask him which group you want, I can tell you which group he's taking. Shoot. In an, in an ATO6 group. I'm, ta- I'm, taking, I'm taking these Because, because we, we remember what we remember now. Like, we remember Kenny McKinley. Like, okay, the defense is, oh, my God, Kenny McKinley's get his, his name's on the damn building. I mean, look how – yeah, but we didn't know that was coming in 06. Kenny McKinley was just turned into a wide receiver when he got to campus. He was a quarterback, so we had we knew coming into that year we had we had uh, we had Sydney, and and that was also I think was it the first real year that um, that Jared Cook kind of started kind of getting things figured out. Yeah, yeah he, he he hadn't broken out yet. Was my point? Like we didn't no, know didn't. how good those guys were going to be at that point in time. Coming into this year, we knew how good some of these guys were. Yeah, I mean, you know, uh, Juice Wells called eighty passes last year. You know, so uh, yeah, and look, uh, Juice is top ten in the SEC in receptions. His own pace for sixty catches. Yeah. Uh, you know, statistically, it's been. I just you know, it's usage because I'm like. How many more little uh, tosses are uh, you know you're 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 trying to turn Juice Wells into almost a running back out there? You know, I think he's a vertical threat. I think I think uh, Tino Sinceri and James Madison, who was at Alabama, nailed it. I think he is a lot like those guys at Alabama, uh, but you don't see him. You've only seen him streaking down the field in one game, and my guy, that was one of the best receiver performances they've they've had since Brian Edwards left. You know. Right. Uh, at Arkansas, and the next week there's no target. See, that's what I don't I don't understand about that. I mean, that's not how any offense operates in college. You, you're not tricking anybody going, hey, uh, guess what? Uh, this week we're going to use our best player as a decoy, you know? Um, and I think there's a difference in mindset because I think in the National Football League, you do ride your horses, but you you throw a little nuance in there every week. Oh, okay, well we're we're gonna we're not gonna go as much to this guy and use this guy. I mean, it's, I don't know. It's it's a uh, it's confusing to me. All right, we, we got to get to a break. Uh, oh yeah, you can come on the other side here. Uh, Jamie Bradford continues with his Wednesday talk. Reminder: last this is the last show of the week. No show tomorrow. I'll be en route to Lexington, Kentucky. Probably have a short preview show that we'll pre-record for your benefit on Friday. Um, so uh, we're going to wrap it up with the last segment right after these messages. 
If you're looking to sell or buy multifamily property right here in South Carolina, the Burgesson team of Remax at the Lake can help you get to closing fast and easy. Adam and Derek Burgesson both are very proud Gamecocks and are more than happy to assist you with any of your commercial real estate needs all across the state. You can email Adam at aburgesson at remax.net. That's A-B-E-R-G-E-S-O-N at remax.net to get your next deal underway. The Burgesson team, proud sponsors of Inside the Gamecocks. Attention golfers of all ages and skill sets. Former Gamecock golfer Meredith Taylor will be a full-time golf instructor in the Midlands of South Carolina very, very soon. You want to take advantage of this opportunity. If you're like me and you got to get a whole lot better at golf, or even if you're looking to refine your swing, Meredith is the person you need to go to. She's competing in her final USGA Mid-Amateur Tournament this summer before going full-time into teaching and coaching individuals. If you're in South Carolina, Meredith will be conducting in-person golf lessons at the Country Club of Lexington. Half hour, hour, on course. She'll play 9 or 18 with you. If you're out of state, though, this is really exciting. She'll be conducting virtual lessons. You can send in your swing for her expert analysis. Also, in November, she'll launch an online course with video instruction for all ages and skill levels. Meredith has 20-plus years of knowledge, former SEC golfer, all of that. So contact her on Twitter, at Taylor at M-E-R-T-A-Y-L-O-R, or go to McKellarEnterprises.org. McKellar is spelled M-C-K-E-L-L-A-R, Enterprises.org. Her email is on the website, so you can connect with her for any other questions. Go get your golf game in order. Take advantage of Meredith Taylor and her services. Family vacations, a new car, a new boat, all cost money, but you don't necessarily have to make more to afford any of that if you can save cash that's flying out the window now. iHelp Consulting can help you finally get the kids to Disney World, upgrade the minivan, or drop that new boat in the water next summer. Let Daniel and iHelp Consulting consult with you. No fees, just savings. You pay them a percentage of those savings. Save on essential services, credit card fees, you name it. Let them find it. These folks are incredible. iHelpConsulting.com. How can I help you? Hey, folks. Jay- hey, folks. JC here. I've told you about Nana's Porch over and over again. They sponsor our chat box on the show. Uh, don't take my word for it, though. I wanted you to hear from Gamecock pitcher Noah Hall about our sponsor, Nana's Porch. Nana'sPorch.com. Go there. Food truck, catering, whatever you need. Uh, take it away, Noah. What's up, Gamecock fans? This is Pitcher Noah Hall. If you want some delicious food for your event, I suggest visiting nanasports.com today to find out what they all have to offer. It's really good southern cuisine based out of Charlotte, my hometown. I hope you guys go check it out. Go Cox and go Nanas. Hey, man. Are you sick and tired of your business computer guy? Yes, he takes forever to call me back and doesn't always respond to the requests. Yeah, same here. I'm paying him good money. I constantly have issues. And I'm worried he's not backing up my network and securing it properly. Oh, I feel that, man. My head hurts. But I have a good lead on a good idea. I'm calling your boy Matthew Odom today from Heritage Digital. Heritage Digital is an IT firm that specializes in making sure your IT network runs like a dream. If you have one or 500 employees, it doesn't matter. They do it all for one monthly fee and have clients from South Carolina all the way to California. Yeah, I heard that monthly fee's low, too, so I don't know why I didn't even think of that. Uh do you have 843-699-1001 as Matt's contact number? Yeah, man, I sure do that. Or you can go to heritagedigital.com. Man, I hear they do a no-cost assessment. Boy, this will help me. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> 
I'm getting on that and encouraging everyone else to do the same. Heritage Digital, 843-699-1001 or heritagedigital.com, a proud sponsor of Inside the Gamecocks, the show. What's up, this is Jaheim Bell with the Gamecocks and you're now listening to Inside the Gamecocks show with JC and Phil. Welcome back, everybody. We're, of course, joined on this guest line by Jamie Bradford here in the second hour of the show today. Last show of the week. We'll do a little quick hitter for you tomorrow to talk about the Kentucky game. Uh, but JB shifting gears. So uh, let's look at the defense now because, my God, we've talked that crippled horse of the offense to death. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, you know, let's let's because there are two sides of this game, as we often get reminded in the comments. Three, but three um, sides. Yeah, well, that's true. Three. Yeah. Well, we, I just feel so confident in Pete Limbo and what Beamer are putting together on special teams that I really don't feel like we have to discuss that. <laughs> oh God, don't say that here. Uh, no, go. yeah, that'd be that'd be the one thing yeah, that we start yeah. fun time on Saturday. We're gonna we're gonna. Yeah, we're, right. we're gonna Punt a ball backwards this weekend and That's right. That's kick, right. kick a damn field goal into the rear end of our center and everything else. The mule out there, Gus, and let yeah. it. Remember that, y'all remember that movie, Gus, with the mule that yeah. kicked dang field goals? Oh, he said, voyage, and he kicked the ball, and then Gus would kick the field goal. <laughs> Uh, but how confident are you, JB, in thinking that our defensive line can exploit what looks to be a, a you know questionable offensive line for Kentucky this week and stopping the run and actually getting some pressure on Will Levis? Not confident uh, okay. until, and that will just be my response until I, know, man, I see prove it season. <laughs> yeah, I just, I just want to, I, I want to see Jordan Birch be Jordan Birch, and yeah. you know, I, I, I said it last week. I'm gonna say it again, and I mean this out of respect. I don't mean this. I'm not. I don't, I don't dog kids, man. I don't dog players. Um, I, I I hope that Jordan Birch is 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 reading a lot of the internet, listening to a lot of talk shows, and watching a lot of TV, because there's a lot of people questioning how good he is, and he needs to hear that. Like that needs to motivate him. Um, you know, it's it's almost like somebody needs to walk up, kick him in the balls. You know what I mean? Like somebody kick him in the nuts and piss him off. Uh, you know, and so because I want to see Jordan Birch be what we all thought Jordan Birch was going to be, there is that for anybody that thinks that he doesn't have it in him is so dead wrong. Jay Z, you covered every inch of this guy's recruitment. Every team in the country wanted Jordan Birch, and they were pulling every string under the sun to get him. All right, so we got to figure out how to get him going. And I don't know what it is. Does it mean that they got to keep his hand on the ground? They got to move him around. They, I don't know. I don't know. I have no idea. But if I'm Coach Beamer, the literally the only conversation I'm pretty much having with Clayton White is you got to get him going because we we on defense, even though they're getting healthier, are are not going to be able to be what we need to be to win enough ball games around here without him making an impact. He doesn't just need to play well. He needs to make an impact, yeah. and uh, and he hasn't done done as much as i would have thought to this point yeah it's it's been kind of a and, and look i don't think he's played bad because i you know you hear some people talk coming out of camp and they're like this guy you know you, you kind of worry he's going to be a liability you know out there and he's not but he's just not as good as, as he can be and uh i think you know i said this when they were hiring a, a new coach uh everybody got upset because uh, to, to coach the ends because everybody got upset because they were like, Oh, Christian Robinson has all this recruiting experience and 
you know, he signed all these guys and, and Sterling Lucas has never recruited. Uh, and and I, I told people like, look, man, you, you, that position, the Bucks slash ends in this defense, they need to be poached up. You got to go get somebody that's going to get the most uh, out of Jordan Birch. And I'm not blaming Sterling Lucas for Birch not being an All-American right now. He's oh, only yeah. here with him. But uh, no. uh, I actually think guys like Gilbert Edmond have really played well. Um, no doubt. Know, under his tutelage and stuff, Gilbert's playing coming right along. But hey, uh, he, he reminds me uh, again. You got to go back to the specific moment in time, the development stage. Now, not the not the end product here, not the end product. product yeah. He he reminds me of when we started to kind of figure out who Devin Taylor was. Devin was six seven, two hundred and fifteen pounds when he got to South Carolina, and everybody was like, man. This bean pole, he doesn't have a have a chance of playing in the SEC. Beat Duke on him. Beat the Duke Blues. Yeah, I mean, and and Brad Lawing said, "Give him to me," and look what he turned out to be. He, my point is, he he got a he got a chance, and he and he just never let go. And and I'm i maybe we're seeing some of that in Gilbert Edmond. I, I like it. I'll throw another comparison. I think DJ Wanham. Uh, now he Gilbert was not as good. As DJ, well, DJ came in and played a lot as a true freshman, right? Um, right. But but Gilbert, keep in mind also Gilbert's true freshman season was twenty twenty, and he's out there playing stand up linebacker at the end because they didn't have anybody else. You know, they were they were out of linebackers, so he played. Um, yeah, and I, I think he's got to have a you know a big game and uh, continue to do what he's doing. Birch has to have a big game. They need to set the edge. I wouldn't mind, and everybody's kind of had this idea because Tonka played it when he. Um, you know, when he was a fr- true freshman and set the edge pretty well, uh, he's now grown into a tackle. Thought he had a good game against SC State, by the way, not just the the two-point conversion, but overall. Um, I wouldn't mind seeing Tonka out there on some rundowns just to kind of help get some beef and set the edge and uh, things like that uh, in case Kentucky tries to attack the perimeter. Um, and, and so that's the deal there. I, You know, when you talk about the defense, I I, uh, I – think there's a you know I, I look at this and you know you, you look back at Georgia and Arkansas and then you look at this Kentucky offensive line I don't think that Kentucky is in the same stratosphere up front as Georgia or Arkansas and I'm talking this year historically Kentucky's been top three or four in the league uh and I think in I think when some of these younger guys they have and they have some injuries up there too get older they're going to be right back to being good right but they're leaky. They've given up 19 sacks. They're last in the SEC in rushing. Um, you know, Rodriguez is just now coming back. You, you know, he had a good game against Ole Miss. Not a, not a great one. You gotta you do have to bottle him up though if you're the Gamecocks. <laughs> you know, he's a Gamecock killer. Uh, 7.6 yards per carry against South Carolina in his career. Um, you know, but uh, you know, I, I, I don't. I, you know, there's some years you go in like last year. I went in and. I think we were all going, man, you know, you got to stop Levis and, and they're going to run it up their butt and they got to stop the run. And, and lo and behold, Carolina gets outrushed 224 to 42. And that's the ball game, you know, in a six point game. I just can't envision that happening to South Carolina Saturday night. Not so much because of, you know, whatever's going on with the game guys, because of, but because of kind of who Kentucky is. Now they may throw for 400 yards and, score half a hundred. I mean, you know, you, you never know, but uh, I just, I think this is a chance uh, for your Zach Pickens and Jordan Birch and, and hopefully Boogie Huntley plays. Cause I think there's a drop off when he goes out and MJ Webb comes in and nothing, nothing against MJ Webb, 
Um, you know, I, I, I think there's a chance for those guys to go out and kind of get healthy and, and play a good defensive game for a change on the road. Yeah, I mean, I hope so. That's where it starts. I mean, you know, you're getting your, your secondary guys healthy again. Um, you know, you got two linebackers who've been around a long, long time, you know, with Mo not in there. Debo, get, Debo's had a nice season. I like, well, you know, really like watching him play. Um, but you got to get pressure up front. Look, you get – when you recruit five stars, they got to they gotta play like five stars. I mean, it's just what it comes down to. I mean, there's there's no other way around it. You got a five-star, you got you to play like five-star. And uh, if you can do that, you're going to give yourselves a chance. And right now they need this. Zach, Zach Pickens has been playing like that all year. I mean, I love – his draft stock, in my opinion, has gone through the roof. I think mean, kid has played his rear end off every weekend. Double team, triple team, you name it. Um, and he's just bringing a load on him every week. So he's got to he's got to get his guy out there to to get him going. Um, so but they, hey, look at the end of the day this weekend, uh, you're gonna have to defensively, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to find some turnovers. You know they've kind of the last couple of weeks, obviously they they've they've, they've gotten that back in them. I mean Charlotte and in, in South Carolina State. They are what they are, okay. But 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 they did get turnover, so they kind of reminded themselves, like, oh yeah, this is what it likes to get a pick and, and things of that nature. Um, you're gonna have to get them, and then you got to turn them into points, and and, and you, know, you got to be able to run the ball on offense. If they can run it, if they can run it on Saturday night, they'll be in the game, okay. And if they can get a turnover or two, they'll be in the game. If they can't, they won't. And if they start off like crap again, they won't. That's it. That's what it comes down to. That's very, it. very, very uh, ominous. It'll be ominous. Uh, KJ Jefferson's probably out for Arkansas this week. I want to mention this real quick as we're wrapping up here. Or KJ, it looks like he's going to be out. Hadn't practiced. Uh, they're going to go with Cade Fortin, who was at North Carolina and South Florida, and now he's at Arkansas. Um, just uh, that's a new kickoff, guys. Just when, when I talk about, and, and I don't know, I think Mississippi State's going to boat race them without KJ Jefferson, just because. That's kind of what they do, but watch Kendall Brown's offense evolve with a drop back passer, and see and see how they're able to go out and shift gears uh, and, and be versatile. Uh, and then keep in mind, Kendall doesn't even have a playbook True. to learn. It's all it's all one word stuff, man. Yeah. Uh, Lane Kiffin was talking about it when they were in FAU together. They're like, Brown Browns doesn't even have a playbook. He's like, I'm trying to kind of learn everything here. Uh, all that, but th th you guys want to see what I'm getting at when I'm talking about having a versatile offensive system for the college ranks? Uh, go watch Arkansas. I'm not, yeah. I think I don't think they're going to win. I don't think they're going to have a great day on offense. But watch the game plan and the execution and what they try to accomplish uh, when they switch those style of quarterback because they're dramatically different guys. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so just kind of watch that from there. All right, JB. All right, I got a, I got a question for both of you. We all know we all know they're going to lose, but if they get their brains beat in this weekend, like fifty-one to seven, Auburn, Georgia, does Brian Harson have a job on Sunday night? I maybe not. He might not. I don't know. It's it's a well, little surprising. The problem, with that, now. the problem with that I was talking to some Auburn people hey, this the other day is Gunner brought up a good point yesterday. He goes, "True, but." If you fire him, who's the poor soul that has to take over and walk into Ole Miss the next weekend to get your ass beat again? <laughs> yeah, I mean, and, and let me. And, and, and the thing is, too, he got like he had Derek Mason and Mike Bobo on staff to where you could go. All right, you know these guys have been head coaches; they can step yeah. into the room role, all that. Well, they're gone. Yeah. Uh, so who would be the, the? I mean, and he's basically got all of his guys from Boise or or 
from from his guys, you know, I think Will Friend is still there. So who takes the interim? Job? Oh, good for him. Will Friend is still at, at Auburn. So good for good for you, Will. Yeah, well, yeah, so I, I don't know. I mean, that if I'm Auburn, I'm like, you know, because when Gus uh, when Gus got let go, they had Kevin Steele, and a lot of their boosters wanted Kevin Steele to get the job. So that was an easy deal. But uh, well, they can hire him this go around. Yeah, you know, go, get, uh, go get the man of steel, you know. That's right. uh, There's a lot to be said for keeping Harson in there as the whipping boy for the rest of the season. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Miami, Miami has Kevin Steele and Charlie Strong coordinating their defense, right? And yeah. gave up 45 to Middle Tennessee and 300-yard touchdown passes. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 look, I don't think they'll fire him. I don't think, unless it's really bad, like 63-3 to three or something. They might say, we just can't take it anymore, but – what they'll probably do is wait till he gets his rear end kicked again at Ole Miss and then fire him before they yeah. uh, come home to play Arkansas. They'll lose that one. Then they lose Mississippi State. Boy, I tell you what, you're going to look up and Auburn's going to be three and six in a hurry. Three and seven, four and seven, four and eight, four and eight. It could be four and eight. Wow. Four and eight. Mm. And then they're going to be knocking on Dion's door. Ike, Ike Hilliard is the Auburn wide receivers coach. Did you guys know that? I didn't know that. No. Cadillac Williams is the running back coach. Maybe, maybe Cadillac Williams takes over the program. That's what I'd do if I were over. Like Cadillac, all right, you get you get the deal, and we'll see. All right, well, uh, have a safe trip to uh, yeah. uh, bluegrass country. And- I'm sure we'll talk tomorrow, or you know, Friday or Saturday. The, the music that they play in that stadium is. People think Williams Bryce is loud now. Oh God, you ain't been to Lexington. They freaking boom it, and especially when you're on third down, right up and literally till you snap the ball. It's so bushly, but that's just how they do it. I've been there. I've been there since 2010. All I remember is that that annoying guy that goes first down Kentucky, you know, and uh, he sucks. And then um, what else? I, I did think it was cool. They do the horse thing. They go, yeah, it's overall it's a good trip. You know, the Bourbon Trail. I'm going the Bourbon Trail. I'm going to Keeneland on Friday. Uh, the, the missus is going to wear a, a pretty hat. She's fired up about that. So yeah. we're uh, we're ready to roll. But thank you, Jamie. We appreciate it. Be good or be good at it, my friends. See you next week. Take care. Um, thanks to all of you that have joined us this week. Again, no show tomorrow. I'll be traveling. I will make my Spurs Up show appearance, and I'll be on 107.5 in the morning, too. I'm doing all that from the phone. It's just you can't live stream this thing without me being in front of my computer. Um from the car so uh but uh, so you'll get some of me and then uh, phil and i will have a, a little something for you on friday for a preview uh unless there's some kind of technical issue and then um you know we won't <laughs> but, uh, we'll see what we can put together yeah. we're gonna see what we can put together once i get to the hotel so i'll have some on-site things uh thanks to all of you guys that uh participated in the nano sports chat box the io consulting mailbag all of our sponsors and listeners Numbers have been great. We certainly appreciate it, and we love to get in here and chop it up with you guys each and every day. Again, next live show will be Monday. We'll either be a bunch of happy people, and uh, or we're going to be looking forward to uh, two weeks of misery <laughs> waiting on that A&M Jeez. to come to town. For Phil Mullinax, it's J.C. Sherbert. This has been Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Have a great day, everyone.